0: May 22nd, 2009. It's the Watt from Pedro show. Watt from Pedro Show special remote um, edition here mm. um, sorry Jerry Lee had some who, who was bumping on him on. he had a there was a bum rush on him uh, oh that was pro- problem day. we're going to hear that a little later yeah. okay. that's Andy's uh, boy Messiah <laughs> Who's, Andy's moved up here from uh, um, Kansas City Missouri to, to Portland Oregon, where we're doing the show, special Watt for Pedro show, remote, special for a couple of reasons, not just not being in Pedro, but this ain't on my machine, this is here, the good uh, folks at Sightworks, uh, Bill Jennings and Eric Dayton, and their company here has been streaming my show for, I think, seven, eight years now, and uh, the great cats, and they came to the gig last night at uh, Doug Fur. Uh, oh, I should say who's with me here, Raul Morales, Hey there, how you doing? Tom Watson. Hello. The missing man. Uh, We've got three more gigs to go. Last night we played the Doug Furr Lounge in Portland here. It was a good gig. Uh, yeah. And Bill and Eric showed up. We conquered Eric's pad. And here we're in the offices right now by the Water Tower, which is Tower. A, an endearment for Mr. Lynn Johnson.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. Water Tower. Water Tower. <laughs> Oh, no, we and we start two <laughs> legged water towns, two legged <laughs>
0: alright and uh well we started the show off with uh John Coltrane doing come rain or come shine because this town is kind of more a come rain one but we have California weather here much shine much shine <laughs> yesterday in Boise we, we had much shine that's right the rain threatening Salt Lake City I mean I, we could go back and back in fact the last show we did was in uh I go Ogallala. Ogallala, Nebraska, nice. one of the more west towns before you get to Colorado. And we had done a tour summary. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, after John Coltrane was Jerry Lee Lewis with uh, I Forget to Remember to Forget. Yeah. <laughs> Got yeah which
1: members, it, it, that means he's always okay. just spilling the beans. Right,
0: and we were remembering back the tour. Of course, we only had come up to uh, Omaha, Nebraska. We've done gigs since then. We did uh, Denver. Yeah. Larimer Lounge, and then we Salt did City. Salt Lake City, uh, Bar Deluxe, and we did Boise NeuroLux, and then last night, Doug Fur Lounge in Portland. So you guys want to talk about the, yeah. the first one was... Uh, was Denver. Larimer Lounge in Denver. Yeah.
1: Well, we rolled up to the Larimer Lounge, and it was... Uh,
0: first we got Subway Sandwich, because there was one yeah.
1: right next to the tail. We st- stopped in that, that tail. yesterday. You got to start. start.
0: L- troubled.
1: Yeah. Well, there was a young lady with some tattoos one of them said troubled another one I think said hate hate, hate. Big anyway she was she was working at the subway and um she was preparing and our job and I met her the evening before when we were eating there she wanted to give it all times money and uh <laughs> she was like what if, I asked them like hey where's the main town you know how where do we how do we see some of the city she's like you don't want to see it you don't want to stay get out you know and then uh yeah, she said she wanted to hop in the van and come Take. with us, and the, uh, I don't know. The Take tattoos, troubled, and hate were kind of. Well, she seemed
0: like a nice lady though. Well, because the next day, now they tell me this story. So when we go in there the next morning to bail for Denver, of course we got to get more. Subway. Big surprise! Yeah, I had to. Actually, the night before I didn't have tuna. I tried the meatball, meatball marinara. Maybe and,
1: not. Yeah. Listen back for the part. We listen yeah. back for that one. Yeah, yeah, you can hear it. You can relive that one. We relived it. You anyway, I
0: have tuna. And she don't know, I don't think, I, I knew what she said to my men. So I said,
2: you
0: use the day. Uh, I said, I'm leaving town. And the looks <laughs> that she glanced over at me with. Because she wanted to get in the boat and bail. She obviously did not find a.
1: Ogalala, Ogalala, Hatman. Well, she wanted out.
0: Now, the reason, one of the reasons we caught there was because, Tom, you have a neighbor.
1: Yeah, we we have some family friends um, where I grew up. That, um, in fact, the father passed away a couple of years ago, but we're still very close friends, and they have this big sign in their house that says Ogallala, and it's because. I don't have the complete story I don't they're, he's not from there he was they lived there for a period of time it might have been work related while they were located there but I've always wanted to stop there you know I like the name uh, probably
0: an Indian oh you found out they yeah. were a tribe
1: yeah it was a offshoot from the Sioux <laughs> yeah. Indian tribe that went a little bit further south from the Dakotas and, and South Platte River yeah okay. so anyway yeah Oklahoma. so we
0: uh, get but we have to say goodbye to Madam Trouble yeah it was Strong tough, rate. but, you know, people come into your life and out. Maybe shall we turn it back into yeah. our life one yeah. day? Uh, we we uh, make the jump to Denver, which wasn't too far. But on the way, I called up, because it was uh, we still had another 1,000 miles before an oil change. But I thought, let's get it now. We don't have to do another one for the rest of the tour. So I called up, and I found one on the way in a town called Brighton. Hello, Brighton.
1: Yeah, it's funny about,
0: you know, this is the new world, so let's name the towns after merry old England. (laughs) Brighton. (laughs) And even the street, right? Bromley. Bromley. Hello, Bromley. (laughs) And this was like some, Denver, like a lot of U.S. towns, is like expanding. Sometimes there's some build, the rusted out middle, but a lot of times just go out where they ain't built before and put strip mall and track home, and that's what they're doing with uh, Brighton. That's right. So I get the oil change. In fact, get this. I get a phone call yesterday, and it's the cat who changed my oil at Brighton Ford. I say, hey, Mike, things okay? I said, Yeah, I'm in Portland. Yeah. I said, you like the job? Do you like how they treated you? I said, uh, But you're the guy who.
1: Yeah. You, mean, you did good. <laughs> yeah.
0: But
1: no happy, there was no happy
0: ending, though. But. No happy ending, though. Right. No, was well, a happy ending. Thing. The boat, like yeah. the tire didn't leave the You're
1: right. yeah. hub. Right. Yeah, the you know, about
0: tires- you remember that cat? Uh, he played he, drums for Joe Bize, his Universal know. Congress. Of, he told me Jason. about getting his, yeah, Jason, getting his can. Jason's Jason can. Con, can yeah. Yeah. Him getting his tires changed, and like one of the tires is ahead of him. And then all of a sudden there's the master <laughs> of sparks. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, he did great. He did great. So I get the oil change. We pull into Denver, a place called the Upper Larimer by the Five Points, a place I hadn't really played before, in an older building with a yeah, tin roof.
1: seriously older
0: town right there. Right. And, like, we're going to have to chase down a conch pan tomorrow, and Tom said, well, good, because I haven't done that for a while, but you actually did one here, because we yeah. didn't know.
1: Oh, at Larimer, yeah. yeah. Right. Well, I kind of just mentioned to the bartender, uh, Jessica... Jessica super nice lady who was working there um we were talking about the rug in the bar area which looked more like leather you know uh just from all the beer and whatever whatnot fluids spillage and compression um soakage whatever brought in on the soles of people's shoes yeah. um and uh and i said jokingly like hey can we sleep here on this floor you know um and then she uh inquired like oh uh, you need a place to stay and one thing led to another and not Con- perfect. Yeah. perfect, yeah. Very happy,
0: very nice, nice to do that. But uh, we're gonna play this gig. We're there kind of early, we do the sound check with uh, James. Um, mm. I chowed just a salad because I was still holding good from that uh, tuna sandwich. And I went to go conk in the boat, and a band called the Dualistics Plate opened right. up, and Boots they had fans. a the foot. They had a drummer named Foot from Rose Hill Drive Nate, that we had played. Nate,
1: actually, yeah, Nate is his name. Nate Foot. Well, Nate's his name. The Foot is his. Whatever. He was denying the Foot. He was. Oh, he wasn't in the Foot. I, I go to Tom. I was like, he had a nickname. Yeah. You know, I called him yeah. Nate. Yeah, he wasn't using his nickname until <laughs> we called. Till I called. Him oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then, then that's what we called him from then on. Yeah. So he's. Well, cool. I remember totally what, what, what happened
0: was a couple years ago. We did a, uh, a year and a half ago. We did New Year's show here in Boulder Brian Schwartz who uh, manages Dinosaur asked us to come and play with Rose Hill Drive and that's where we met Foot yeah. We did all a band of gypsies or something. Yeah. anyway they played I missed him. I was called and then Tom gets me to come out and it's a Tuesday night in Denver and it's packed Yeah,
3: it and
0: a uh, we played good gig it was a happening gig uh, kind of weird but there was a lot of room on the side of the stage yeah. You could tell it was an old building, and then they just extended out.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Right? Because it was more like a square, and they made it a rectangle. And uh, so, yeah, there was a l- dudes behind my base. Yeah, you were
1: like on a little catwalk out there. Well, the front of the stage was like the you know? right-hand corner.
0: Right, that's point. what it was. It was the right-hand corner. Yeah. And so people to go to the patio.
1: They're walking around you, checking right. out from behind right. all the way around. You could do the whole, like, pirouette. You yeah, know, like on a little cake. I did do some paraway like cake display.
0: Um, it was a good gig though, got <laughs> sweaty gig. And then Jessica, let's just come to her pad, conk there, and she's got wash machine. Yeah, get to wash the outfit.
1: We just throw the for our costume. She brought
0: some whiskey. <laughs> conked out in the morning. We got to go early because it's five hundred thirty-four miles to Salt Lake City. Yeah. She cooks us up California eggs benedict.
1: Yeah, just it's
0: tomato, just avocados.
1: Muffins, sauce, sauce, sauce—the sauce, hollandaise sauce from scratch. <laughs> That's pretty it's pretty happening. Not so, bad.
0: thank you, Jessica. Yeah, truly. And so then we start driving north, and let the navigator decide. What I usually do is Fort Collins, cut the corner to Laramie, U.S. 287. But I listened to Doctor Nightmare, and he put us through Cheyenne. Stay on the interstate. So I don't know if it was faster or slower. But uh, we get into Wyoming. Uh, That's a long drive. And then the turn west at Cheyenne. The yeah. interesting thing I saw in Cheyenne was a sign, tiny little sign, but it was for the Sand Creek Massacre, which I never not noticed before. Yeah. Because everybody knows about Custer. But they, I don't think they know Sand about Creek,
1: The river ran red. Yeah. My, my grandfather or my father's grandfather or something, yeah. on his deathbed apparently, it was, uh, these were the words that he was muttering, his last words. The story has it, like you know, saying something. Because like you have that. Indian people the in River. Yes, yeah, Colorado that. people, but you know, the river ran red, or the river ran blood red, something like this, or his words. And I think that's what he was talking red with about. Blood. This, yeah,
0: because it was a massacre on women and children. Anyway, uh, we go west, and then Rollins, oh, we got to talk about because I think you're calm because you're getting yeah. ready to take over the yeah. wheel. So Rollins up front with me, and. The snow, I mean, this is like very warm outside, yeah, right, Wyoming? Yeah. And there's snow that is not melted
4: On the ground, yeah,
0: yeah. Wyoming, the Middle wind blows man. so hard. The, stuff, the sun can't even melt this stuff. It's like a permafrost. And then Rollins, we pull over to get Subway. At
1: the police station. <laughs> At the police Subway, <laughs> really? So there's Subway involved.
0: Okay. It was kind of like the police station. How many cops were there?
1: Yeah, that's a little congregation.
0: <clears throat> Luckily, we beat, beat the line, man. It, yeah. it was coming out... the. Hatch, oh yeah, a lot of yes. folks, and uh, and Tom takes a wheel up to like almost the border to Evanston, past Green uh, Rock Springs and Green River and Rock Springs, big town in the west for I mean for Wyoming. It don't have very big towns, but my mom was born and was a little girl in Dines, Wyoming, and it's a ghost town when the ran out of coal. The company closed it. So her and her brother went and visited, and there's some stuff still in the ground. like really? Remnant. Yeah. Like so I E-pop. take the wheel, and we go into um, Utah, and there's a little rain coming down, and we come down to town, Salt Lake City, to Bar Deluxe. Mm-hmm.
1: Right next to the tattoo. I played Deluxe. right when it
0: opened four and a half years ago, right next to the tattoo, right? And we find out, and Charlie's there, yeah. the guy who's been doing my gig since his effort. We find out that the club's closing
1: at the end of the month. Terrible. Yeah, just because you no know, bad turnout, people aren't going out.
0: Yeah, but we had a good turnout. I don't know. Yeah, I, know. I, don't know. I don't know.
1: I don't know. But
0: it was turning into what? You told me they Burlesque had
1: Club. Yeah, bur- I guess it's real hot, you know, right now. The Silver, uh, Salt Lake thing.
0: Right, and the opening band was actually, the, we had the same sound man as four and a half years ago when I was there with Second Man. You were with me right I was around. there too. And, uh... Mike. Mike, and he was in the opening band. And he yeah. was this one, but they were called the...
1: Jingos, jingos, yeah, jingos. Jingo stole my baby.
0: They were good. I think it was the bass player's band. That cat was from San Francisco. Yeah, nice guy. And uh, we played, and there's a weird stage thing. They had a pillar right up there. Yeah, Tom had to dance with a pillar. <laughs> wrap around. Yeah. to yeah. a little a little choreo- Ch- changed around. my
1: choreography a little bit.
0: Right. But it was a very happening gig, and we stayed with the uh, former Pedro guy, Dandy Don Dalton. That's he's right. He's a lawyer now. I have been staying with him for years
1: it's always a nice spot to stop yeah, you're very right. comfortable
0: now someone at the gig gives me a card and says we want to chow you in the morning so I tell Don this he, he brought some Budweiser's beer man It was ugh. I had to use the Stoli vodka he had to wash that taste I'm no beer snob you know I like Pabst Blue Ribbon but there's something about this Budweiser so I call and wake up of dawn, he starts cooking up chow, even though I and told waffles. him. <coughs> waffles, and eggs, and bacon.
1: Oh, you had to have a pre-breakfast kind of thing. He's got a
0: collection of these propaganda posters for U.S. war bots during the <laughs> first and second war. It's kind of interesting. <laughs> yeah.
1: They're interesting, you know? These are parts of society's history, <laughs> you know?
0: That's why he likes them. So no, he won a big case and had to leave. So we we bail out, almost left the front door open. (laughs) Thank you. And uh, we go to this, you know, I asked the guys, you know, we already chatted. They're like, no, round two, Mike. (laughs) So we go to the Tin Angel Cafe downtown, and some nice people, I think uh, Robin and Jerry, from old punk rockers and stuff, and they're owner-operators of this pad, and they make us up these omelets. And that broccolini.
1: Broccolini, Broccolini, yeah. Mozzarella.
0: Mozzarella.
1: Really good stuff in it. I don't know if it tasted good. Really good. And quality. Little salads.
0: And so we're pretty stuffed up. And then we take I-15 north. And uh, on the way to Boise. Only about four and a half, five hours. In Snowville, Tom took over. We found an excellent deal on some... Uh, imitation nitrous oxide tanks that are actually uh, lighters. lighters yeah. <laughs> One buck, <laughs> only a buck.
1: Yeah, a dollar with the fuel with little, and a and
0: and little tether. Yeah,
1: to make sure you don't lose the little tab. It's, <laughs> yeah, the emergency. That was security a trip, tab.
0: huh? Yeah, we got a trip. And then we—I mean, there ain't no snow, but you can imagine what it's like in the winter, Snowville.
1: There was a nice little uh lawnmower. Remember the old? Uh,
0: yeah, the, the, right. The old school. I got a shot of it yes. <laughs> from there. Yeah, you got dragged by a, a no, car. Yeah, and the wheels turned and actually did Make the blades. The, yeah.
1: Right. Little hamster wheel kind of the thing. Hamster
0: wheel and then the ejection.
1: Yeah, hand. ejection handle That's <laughs> when you fly it. Catapult.
0: So we get in a boise <laughs> Neurolux. The field next to it is no longer a field. They put up some condo. Yeah. And because of that there's a curfew.
1: Yeah, it's a Ramada or something
0: right. like that. Right. Oh yeah. And someone somebody, somebody yeah. get, flowed me out
1: I, I don't know what
0: happened I just kept it in the thing I didn't yeah, really I mean. want to eat it I haven't eaten it for years but yeah. whatever I think this guy owned a cab company Something was telling me I don't know. okay nice man but <coughs> you're old I'm old you know about yeah. it yeah it's what we do they look like rollades which was a yeah. kind of unusual delivery system
1: uh, we're
0: going to play you some music from the opening band I thought it was a sound check But because of the curfew Oh yeah I, I, I cross street I ate some uh, Dan Dan noodles At China pad Yeah I, And I, my fortune cookie was You will make someone proud Did you uh, chow there?
1: No I Did had you? some sizzling rice soup What was your fortune? Um, you'll, I will survive some hardships I believe <laughs> Oh I got it Yeah it's on my computer I saved that one
0: Yeah great you save for fortune.
1: I always do. Yeah. I have a stack of these things. Oh wow! These are for lyrics.
0: Yeah. Bunk ones are where they give you the number for the lotto.
1: Well, the one that I got that on um, one of my guitar pedals is, um, "You love Chinese food." <laughs> I know yeah. Sure. yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna.
0: Okay, so I go to Conk after that, and I think that the band is doing a sound check, but because of this curfew thing, they're actually doing their set, and you guys got to witness them. I looked in the window for a sec, you know, and I thought, "Oh, they're going to do their song." And then I went to conk, and I conked hard. I came out of a conk, and Tom got me up, and they played a long set, mm-hmm. Why don't you talk about these guys? And then we'll play
1: some music. Oh, do you want to
0: play music first?
1: Yeah, let's Finn do a quick Riggins. let's do a quick setup with their. They're a three piece, two dudes and a lady from Boise. From Boise, originally from Sun Valley, I believe, living in Boise, but they're uh, keyboards, uh, guitar, almost drums. impossible to describe this kind of music. You could go through each song and th- give a description, but in, as a whole, especially live, it's like uh, confounding in a really great way. I loved it. It was really fun. Yeah. Trippy. Uh, uh,
0: what, what, Raul?
1: The drummer was really awesome. There was a he steel was, drum, I know that. Steel drums, yeah. Kind of had toms set up around the kick drums so you can go any direction you wanted to. Um, taster. Yeah, it is tasty.
0: He was on his side, right? Yeah. blasting. Yeah, across. he was.
1: Well, the drums. Guitar keyboard. was
0: in between middle
1: the gu- and keyboard. On. and keyboard facing each other. Right. Kind of like a little, you know, badminton. Yeah, game or and whatever. she was the net. Table tennis, yeah. She, she was the keyboard. net. Yeah.
0: Okay, so let's listen to some. Uh,
1: Finn Riggins.
0: F- Finn Riggins here at from Pedro Show. <laughs>
3: You want them to be just I'm down, I think you should too It's feeling so well can't seem to find the scale from the skull with the light and the way. My heart and evil ends. I don't mind if you love me, you're not kind. My days weren't made for you, but you want them to be.
5: so low, can't seem to find a skill
3: from the story, if you're loving it, please, please come out and play, with my heart and evil words. weren't made for you, but you, you want them to, because I'm gonna you Cause the last thing I need in my precious life is my problem
6: child.
3: Listen
5: mama,
0: from Pedro show. Now actually that was Finn Riggins there, the last song we played. The first one we played was Problem Baby by Messiah Parra. Then we heard Death to Hipsters by Steak Knife. Um, Richard Meltzer just came. He lives in this town now and he's a big hero of mine. It's an incredible uh, trip for me to get to have him on the Wat from Pedro show. But we got to finish up this gig report from my missing men Tom and Raul So This gig uh, Boise gig Was pretty good At first dudes Were sitting at tables Oh It was kind of Table rock Right Hey Richard So it was kind of a ten- What we're doing Is we're uh, Because the last Radio show Went up to uh, Omaha Nebraska And so we're Trying to fill in The gigs from uh, It's Denver Salt Lake Boise And Portland we're up to Uh voicey right now so these people are sitting on and tables and stuff and they came up. we got got it going I thought it was a happening gig
1: yeah it was great it was really
0: fun oh I didn't say uh, uh, there was a challenge to the D- Denver gig I didn't talk about or we didn't fail to mention was the air was thinner mm, yeah and same thing happened with Salt Lake City mm-hmm. I think it's only 4500 feet but sh- it was still right you got I windy thought, I thought
4: it was
1: more of a factor for me in Salt Lake right Denver killing kind of really hangered. hard. I mean, I had to really
0: slow down. We were we weren't acclimated. We drove right in. It was dry, you
1: know, you like, you know, parched.
0: First half, I didn't notice, but second half, almost peeled over. But fuck, by the time you got enough, sounds really fucking happening, us chowing on the mic, right? I don't really care. <laughs> but, the adrenaline kicked in when, yeah, the, It was better than Lancaster with that heavy humidity where the air just taunted you, stood two feet in front of you, and said, You will not breathe me. I will not go in your lung. Fucking shit. That was a hard gig. Is room here?
4: Yeah, it's kind of warm. It
0: gets it like here? This wasn't like a couple weeks ago in Lancaster. Right now. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, you said I had a macho thing going, so I'm trying to.
7: Uh, I just it in, a bad way. <laughs> in the best possible way. A professional uh, requirements.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, that's right. You said the times call for it. The people wanted that. Young, the other young men or yeah, the, the younger, the, uh, the more young men, more, more younger. No, somatically, I've worked this out. I, I, I've gotten less younger. Right. When I was more younger. So, okay, Boise, we can't get Barton steps. Now we trip her out. In fact, this is a song I heard on your radio show, Hip Cats from Hell. Richard had a show in the greater Los Angeles. 105 years
4: ago. 105
0: years ago when he was more young. And it was a Pacifica station, KPFK, and it was a great show. And he played this song, Bloody Hammer. You remember playing the Bloody Hammer? Yeah. Well, we go over to this pad. This lady was raised Mormon. Then she said she had a big uh, thing. I'm going to make up my own life and decisions. And Tom starts re- rapping off, because Tom's kind of just into, although he's played with Mayo Thompson for 16 years, who was a contemporary Rockies,
4: yeah.
0: He's just getting into his work, so I'm playing it in the boat. I have hundreds of this, too. And he starts reeling off the lyrics to the Bloody Hammer to this lady, and it's blowing her mind. uh,
1: (laughs) Baby Ghost says, take your Jane away. (laughs) That's (laughs)
0: hot. And, you know, there's a documentary on his
3: life.
1: now.
0: I met his brother, Summer. He was in Pittsburgh for a while. Henry bought him new teeth. See, Henry does good shit. Put out a book of his lyrics called Openers 2.
4: I have a good friend who's older than me and needs teeth, but I can't afford to buy it. Maybe you can call Hank. Right.
0: (laughs) But that, supposedly this helped a lot, he could sing again better and yeah. I've I seen him twice in the last year. He played a, in fact from Stooges gig, we got, landed in Chicago and went right from the airport and he was on the Game Boy stage of Lollapalooza, yeah, this uh, is these days, right? And Game Boy, boy. stage, he's got Rocky Erickson singing, uh, you know, Cold Knight. he started off with Cold Night for Alligators. Uh,
4: I saw Rocky play, I actually saw him at a, a little tiny press party. In 1976 whoa you know like and, and, and was that the Harvey
0: record yet Interpreter and
4: oh I, I really don't remember Bermuda that. was the other side of it. okay but it was like they were in like jackets and ties and you know? I mean it was something very genteel wow and it seemed very uh, not spaced you know yeah like, yeah it seemed like you know, it was just a small little party and uh, maybe in 77 one of those years and that's where uh uh, Greg Turner asks him. He says, "Oh, you, you heard the Sex Pistols, Rocky? Oh, yeah, they're terrific." He says, "What's your favorite Sex Pistols song?" Hot, hot cars. cars. Yeah, there's a recording of this.
0: Right. Yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, Hot Cars, which is a Buzzcocks song, or Fast Cars. Yeah, Man. Right. I've heard that, but a trip. That's Greg Turner, huh? Yeah. Is he still is teaching Greg Turner, math?
4: Greg, Tur- Greg Turner is capable of fibs.
0: So, oh, who knows?
4: But this is a good story. He's
0: teaching calculus in, in, in Albuquerque or something. Somewhere, right?
4: somewhere like that, yeah. yeah.
0: Was he teaching back then? Something in uh, Montclair or uh, well,
4: Claremont? Uh, uh, hey, what's Montclair the deal with that?
0: Montclair. Claremont and Montclair. What these? Uh, is this like kind of a. Inversion. No, or, so, or just, just to illustrate the human dilemma, how the <laughs> motherfuckers. <laughs> we'll just, we're not going to call it Claremont. We're calling it right. <laughs> You know, probably there was no difference.
4: Right.
0: What's it mean? Clear Mountain?
4: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Mountain Clear. I played both those places because there's colleges, four or five colleges, and JPL and right. Cal, Tech stuff like that, and some private schools. In fact, it was the Green Door was the club, and now it's a, a parking lot for mall really horrible uh, people look, not, you know it was dairies, Altadena and all that it's uh, track home now uh, people make the three hour hell right
4: yeah, yeah you, could, you could own a horse and ride a horse on the street in Altadena I don't know if by night in Pasadena I don't know if it's, wow. if it's still true
0: wow it's, I know Sierra Madre had, has the only volunteer fire
4: department because uh, <laughs> the only
0: fire department wouldn't go up those little canyon roads uh, so they had to make a volunteer Remember the movie, Bogie? Yeah. He dies. The greed, the money's blowing. I think Walter John the only time a father and son gets uh, Oscars. Huh. Right? Walter John. But that's the badges. That's where we get this yeah. Minimum right. song, right? Right. Where's your badges? Right.
4: <laughs> but the town, the town of Sierra Madre is where they filmed the original Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Really? Yeah. That's where all wow. the locations were. <laughs>
0: That was a creepy movie, the Pods. Yeah. <clears throat> they remade that, right? And they used that guy at the beginning, Kevin McCarthy. Like some psycho scene. Yeah. Maybe he gets where hit right by a car or something after he, he right. says something, but to like some kind of continuity.
4: He's yelling something like, "Here they are!" Yeah, right, oh, right. Yeah. The were odds that were foaming. Yeah.
0: That's scary. <laughs> creepy. Not the eye candy of today movies, but still pretty creepy.
1: Creepier. Mm. Right. What's the
0: psychology of that stuff in the 50s? All oh, that paranoia because of the, uh, the missiles and the well, bomb? Nuclear.
4: More than that, just the horrible, godless commies. Yeah. You know, they're, then, then they're like, wherever you look, maybe somebody in your family
0: is yeah. a commie. That's right.
1: They might look normal. Okay.
0: Yeah. Oh, that Rocky's got a song like that The Creature with the Atom Brain. In fact, Go he's ahead. reading from a movie. Right. you're Buchanan I'm
2: not Buchanan yeah, that was a movie yeah.
4: I saw that when I was like you know nine years old or something there's a double feature with it came from beneath the sea wow which it came from beneath the sea as a giant octopus right. that wraps its tentacles around a golden gate bridge right oh wow <laughs> and the creature with the outer brain wasn't so hot yeah
0: but it drove him right. to write a song right and it's it's kind of intense that that I mean, remember that record it came out in England It had the most intense cover Like his head was blowing up And the dog was jumping out Or something And it had The name know. of it Was in letters Okay from Boise We called with Bart He wants to make his, He made his homemade pizza yeah. For the night time He wanted to make his breakfast child, but I get us out We leave a nice note Then we drive um, Over the Cascades To Portland Which is here Um where did I give you the wheel? Pendleton. Yeah. Outside. Pendleton. I get us over the that can be hell. You come to the wrong time of the <coughs> day. In fact, I got stuck in a grand. That's uh, a big yeah. range you come See, but you gotta understand Eastern Washington, Eastern Oregon, nothing like the western parts of their states. There's this thing called rain shadow, and they're like desert. So completely different. There are no no fir trees,
4: nothing. Uh Pendleton is where they make the shirts. Mm-hmm. That's right.
0: That's where it starts turning into the Oregon everyone knows. And you go along the Columbia River. That's mm-hmm. where you turn west, really, because before that you're going north. Up to the river, it's easier than trying to get over those mountains. There's a couple roads that do it. but That's a
1: nice drive along the river, too. It it's is. a really
0: big river. Yeah. yeah. When, like when, when, when we turn west, there's several dams on even. Oh, yeah, thinking. many. But, you know, they fouled it. They tried to reenact this Lewis and Clark thing, and they had to stop it. It was embarrassing. They had National Geographic cameras and all this pollution. They had to stop the trip. But right across where we turned west and go along the rivers across in Washington, there's a lot of states like to do this to their beloved neighbor. You put the hell shit right on the border, and there's Hanford. It's just like... Hanford's where you put used nuclear submarine... Bodies will be radiated from (laughs) these. That's that's a shit. In fact, workers during the Cold War and shit, you know, it was a what they call them Russian towns, they're like closed cities.
4: Well, it used to be the theory, and it's probably true, was that Hanford, when they were doing uh, building bombs there and all that, was they, they let it go for as long as they could just to get statistics. On how radiation was affecting yeah, everything maybe. within a circle of you know so many miles, yeah, yeah, yeah. they just wanted to you know, to you know use the population, use yeah. guinea pigs, yeah, uh, to just see you know, what they wow. could get away with. Gotta know. Well, they had high
0: school there, and the, and the, and the of course the team was called the Bombers, and,
4: yeah. and the mascot
0: was a mushroom cloud. Yeah. yeah. And that, you, the cubic the, the thing, yeah. you know, just give in, yeah. But, yeah. Don't, just give in, man. Yeah, love it. <laughs> What What's his name? Sellers got two roles. He's oh, an England yeah. guy.
1: Claire Quilty. No, 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 that was some sort of. Thing. Mandrake. So like Mandrake! Mandrake! Yeah, that's right, Mandrake. Right. Mandrake. Right. Bradshaw yeah. and Quinn Hale, calling. And yes. he Trans- was Sterling Star- 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 Hayden. Star- Hayden,
4: yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: Mandrake.
0: <laughs> 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 and then he's the. Uh,
4: <laughs> yeah, <Right>. Dr. <Doctor> Strange. <laughs> yeah. But Sterling Hayden, you know, played that guy yeah, with the gun. Yeah, uh, the gun, yeah. Shot he's himself. Great. You know, he, he was an actual commie. He was a guy who. Was a full flash uh, He wasn't blacklisted because he turned in a lot of turned other people in.
1: Right. right.
4: He was in a couple of Kubrick films. That's all in that. Okay. Right. He's also know. in The Killing. The Killing. Yeah. Right. He's good in that. Right.
0: Tough guy. Yeah. The Killing. Yeah. So we get here in town, kind of early. The new pattern I've never played called. Uh,
4: Doug Fur. Doug
0: Fur Lodge. It's got a restaurant and a hotel, and we're kind of in the basement and all the. uh, what do you call it, motif is log cabin <laughs> and Richard comes and I get to meet you and your new wife. Yeah. Well, only wife. Uh, the lovely
4: <laughs> Jessica.
0: Right. Much respect to Jessica, who's a Montana lady and has come to the big city <laughs> to oh, share a life with Richard.
4: Yeah. Well, she didn't come. She's been here. Why? She's been here, but she lived on a reservation or a double wide. Well, it's like, I, I always wonder, you know, what is the reservation? Does it have a fence around it? No, just a big, it's like one of the biggest reservations in Montana. Mm-hmm. And there are more uh, white-owned ranches, uh, farm property on the reservation than there is... Uh, Indian land. Yeah. Wow. But it's all called the rest.
0: That means it's good land. Oh, yeah. Now, stuff like the Navajo one, which is, I think, the biggest reservation in mean, the South Desert. Isn't or yeah. like the stuff in New Mexico where they use radiated Los Alamos yeah. <laughs> to yeah. do the roads. Yeah. Right. Probably not a lot of white bone farm there. Right. I, I wonder, yeah, you asked what it was like living there. So it was kind of. She well, saw some Indians, or names. Oh,
4: yeah, you know, you'd see them all over. Okay. But they weren't. That they weren't the dominant right, right. property owners. Right, right. You know, just, they just they were. That just, is a trip. Yeah. You know, he did. They had maybe they had some political uh, control over things, but they they were poor and uh, yeah, right. Beat down.
0: Yeah. yeah. Maybe uh, a casino.
4: Uh, uh, maybe a casino <laughs> Right. because his father. Uh, Teaches psychology at, a, at an Indian school, Indian yeah. college that's on the reservation, and he's got to deal with people who were just uh, you know beat down,
0: beat down, broke. Yeah, yeah. I've seen it at other places too in Australia. Yeah, Aboriginal people. That's uh, funny too because you know, oh, we got to get back at the core value, the core people, the core, the old good old days.
4: Whenever that was.
0: Yeah. Net when
4: before, it never before the uh, advent of man. Yeah, right, yeah.
1: <laughs> Still a dinosaur. Right. Pterodactyl.
4: <laughs> pterodactyl. <laughs> Times. Right. I like the, the notion that come up with this intelligent design. Oh, yeah, all right. Yeah, very very get hard. around. Not what's intelligent about the, the, the scent <laughs> of man, you know?
0: The ascent of man.
4: Yeah.
0: Uh, we got a euphemism for pterodactyl. Okay. Yeah. Lucky Pierre okay. the Socket man Yeah,
3: yeah.
0: <laughs> We got a lot of time to yeah. Think about this But we're at the end of the first hour Of um, May 22nd 2009 Wild from Pedro show uh, Hold tight for hour two <laughs> May 22nd 2009 Good to see you it, man It's the second hour oh, The Wild from Pedro show Yeah. And, uh Got guests, uh, well, not guests, he lives here. I'm the guest in Portland, Oregon. Richard Meltzer, and you got to tell an old Hollywood story. Yeah, when Detroit. you lived on Detroit? Yeah, right.
4: 343 South Detroit, off of uh, parallel to the uh, Brea. Yeah, near Pink's. Right.
0: When there used to be no line at Pink's, you could chat there easy. Right. There was a big black guy named Johnny serving him up. Yeah. I, I, I found out about Pink's because of Blackies which was down the street Right. where I saw Angry Samoans play with the Dills and things like right. that weird club
4: Blackies, yeah
0: <laughs> I don't know what the story on that was but a lot of those clubs were like that in those days
4: yeah, I think I saw Wall Voodoo and Black Randy there once yeah and Black Randy had like a dancing girls standing right there <laughs> that stage? Blackettes or whatever he was calling them
0: yeah, and that tiny stage,
4: huh?
0: Yeah, I oh, dig yeah. Wow! Dude. But uh, but that was what stumbling distance from your pad, not too far, only right. a few bucks. Yeah, right.
4: But basically, I stopped going to shows somewhere about somewhere in the eighties. I remember I'd go, you go to the shows and. Uh, the, the uh, audience the, they just a bunch of louts would come up from Orange County and, <laughs> and trash the club you yeah. know? And, and when the clubs wouldn't have the bands the bands would play like a loft somewhere the same louts would come and trash the uh, loft you know yeah and it just got so unpleasant yeah
0: yeah but do you have good memories of shows in the 70s oh yeah. yeah
4: I mean those are just you know years of delight Uh,
0: so much different than arena rock yeah right arena rock
4: so did just play
0: arenas? often festivals yeah really strange because they were a club band and I was going to ask you about the 60s was an era of clubs yeah see my first gig is T-Rex at 1971 I know nothing about clubs until punk right
4: clubs the thing is New York I lived in New York till 75, and uh, New York had a... Most of the clubs were, like, mob-controlled and, and, uh, you know, minimum drink. You had uh, two drinks and, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, Sit there or sit down kind of places. And uh, I saw the MC5 at a place called Ungano's, in 1970.
0: played. I've heard plenty of stories of them playing there.
4: Uh, Yeah, but it was like... uh, the first time I ever saw anybody play in an arena, <coughs> Rolling Stones at Madison Square Garden in 1969. Yeah. And it was just a strange, you know, just too big a place. Yeah, right. I saw the Beatles at Shea Stadium, but that was, you know, an anomaly.
0: What was that like?
4: Yeah, it was terrific. It was like, I mean, the sound, though. Was it couldn't, tiny? I couldn't hear anything. It was like, <laughs> in, 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 they did two years in a row. It was first the summer of 65, and... The show started like, I don't know, 8 o'clock or something. And the seats were full by 4 p.m. Everybody wanted to be there to see the Beatles arrive. Wow. It was just a very religious experience. Yeah. And every time a helicopter would go around, oh, that must be them. <laughs> and they finally arrived in a Brinks truck that came in through the outfield. And Long everybody, and when finally you saw them, everybody, like 56,000 people just stood up in awe. You know, and the music was still three hours away. You know, it's kind of oh thing. wow! And it was, it was. How long did they play? They played no more than half an hour. <laughs> you know, and, and I think uh, opening for them maybe Cannibal and the Headhunters and, you know, and Bobby Hebb singing uh, what's that song? He did? Sunny, oh. da, 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 you know, right? And and and, and, uh, and then the Beatles come on and. And you couldn't hear anything. They didn't. They didn't have the sound figured out for for those kind of rooms yet. Yeah, no, rooms. And, and uh, couldn't hear anything. And and uh, you could sort of make out what the song was, but you couldn't hear it.
2: Wow. You
0: know, were were people yelling?
4: Oh, everybody yeah. it was. Everybody was just standing up like it was a religious event.
0: You know. How much was it? Was it big money?
4: Well, it was like, I think it cost 15 bucks, which was a lot then. Yeah. And and I think the deal was that it was. Because
0: T Rex for me was 250
4: 250
0: 250 right. A lot of those gigs were mean, really cheap.
4: You mean $2.5? Yeah. yeah.
0: Even the Cal Jam was $650. they are trying to sell records, so right. the, 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 the concerts wasn't a.
2: No merchandise.
4: Right. But the reason it was 15 bucks. I think it was yeah. ordinarily maybe a $5 ticket. Cerebral Palsy. Bought up a bunch of tickets, so you would pay the extra amount oh, to go wow. to Cerebral Palsy. For like a charity. Yeah. Right. How strange. Right. So that's the first thing. I mean, that's, like, scal- that's like scalping. You Why know? yeah, should totally. Cerebral Palsy be allowed to scalp, but they do <laughs> you know?
0: So that was that was the first in, stadium first, rock,
4: and then I saw the Stones. Then you know, Stones like in sixty four years later, whatever it was, and and uh, and I had a chance to see the Doors at Madison Square Garden. I refused. I'd seen them in clubs. I saw them play in. A, is that the live album? I some of the stuff is taken from that, but but I saw them <laughs> play thirty or forty times in a little club called which was underneath the 59th Street Bridge. It was like a disco frat boy kind of place. And I think Buffalo Springfield played there, and then The Doors played there.
0: Wow! And uh, you saw them a lot. There. And that's
4: when I was starting to write, and you could yeah. get into shows free. And I thought, Wow, I was writing for Crawdaddy. Yeah. So you, you, and it, and it was like uh, you know, real uh, service trade uh, to be in a band. You you just played until four o'clock, four a.m. closing time. They would just play set after set after oh, set wow. until every you know, keep people drinking. Yeah, for about three months they played, so I saw them about wow. forty times. And and Morrison didn't even have uh, uh, leathers yet; he wore jeans and a surfer shirt. And they were just terrific. I remember the first night they played; I was with these other people from Crawdaddy. And after one set, we say. Is that the greatest thing ever, or is that the greatest thing ever? We were just blown away. That was after the first set, and they played another three, four sets. You know, wow. and they did one set. They did, they started with People is Strange, and they finished with People is Strange. <laughs> they did a 45-minute version of the end. Wow. Just you know, improvised lyrics in the running right. and Jim was, like, uh, you know, masturbating one of the nights in three Spence <laughs> You know, and...
0: Uh, because from the live record, you would think there was an animosity to, to New York,
4: right?
0: With them, huh?
4: Maybe so. I mean, I didn't go to that show, but but there was a but maybe yeah. by that time. That's down yeah. the road too, that's right? But. but after a while, I think maybe I went to a Blue Oyster Cult show, at uh, Madison Square Garden. There, you know, maybe who else would have played? It was somebody like Humble Pie, <laughs> Blue yeah. Oyster Cult, and something else. And it was just a horrible place to be. For yeah, right, show. right, right. You know. And then maybe I saw a show once at Anaheim Stadium, Bloister Cult Carlton, and some you know seven other bands. Easy Top. Yeah. I think I saw that. It was awful. It was at Anaheim Stadium, Angel yeah. Stadium. Yeah, right. it was terrible. Yeah, but uh, you know, I just stopped. I never dirt uh, bath
0: in the infield.
4: Right. <laughs> yeah, and
0: yeah, he says something about somebody threw up a little joint. All oh, right, this is New York, or why are the guys rushing the stage or something? Right. <laughs> And then at the end, it's really weird, the MC is like, you know, take the escalator trip, the light trip, it's, that's a weird record. Right. I remember hearing that as a kid and was like, is this a big put on? Right. I didn't know what about it. Yeah, I liked them though, I thought I didn't realize they were an LA band, I didn't know about anything about where people came from as bands.
4: And all you know, when I got to North Bay Area bands, yeah. they all hated the Doors.
0: They hated him, and, and, you okay. know, like,
4: like Big Brother and the whole yeah, Company. Right. Uh, Peter Alvin was their bass player. He's you know, a guy. He was a folkie with Jerry Garcia and Palo Alto. You say, oh Doors, ooh, and Love. They hated Love. You know, any LA band. Wow. And the only LA, they, but Stephen Stills was the kind of like their, their idea of a, of a fine LA musician. Oh, you see, Birds, right. I think a lot of people no, kind of got into okay. the birds. Well, not the birds. He was with Buffalo Springfield. Oh, oh yeah, and yeah. But then, you know, Crosby. And Crosby, Crosby, and Crosby, Crosby and Stephen birds. Stills were the two L.A. connected people at the okay. Bay Area. They did a lot of drugs with those two guys. And so, uh, yeah, in Crosby, fact, Stills, in I heard,
0: uh, ended up playing all the bass on those yeah. Crosby, Stills, Nash records. Uh, I heard it impersonally not very nice man. He was not. Yeah, David Crosby. I was at a child thing. and didn't say one word. Just the hard look. I
4: actually, I went to a show in uh, Montreal about seventy four, seventy five. Uh, Stills had a wife, Veronique Sanson, you know, Chanteuse from, oh, from Paris. Yeah. And uh, so they, they they did a show. She got to do a show in Montreal, an outdoor show, uh, summertime outdoor show. With the Villemard Blues Band, they were a the 17-piece, grateful dead of Quebec, three bass players, three <laughs> female backup singers, you know. and it was it was uh, in the days when you call them chick singers, you know, and and so anyway, she played with them, backing her up, and then they just jammed for like a hundred hours. And <laughs> but Stephen still was working around, and what what, what I heard happen was uh, before the show, they all had dinner together. And and Stephen didn't allow her to speak French around the house. So she was very happy to talk in French with... Right, the band. The band. And uh, they had a guy, Bill Gagnon, who was the... uh, He was like the Jerry Garcia of that band. And uh, so at some point after they had dinner, uh, Stephen Stills goes up and grabs Bill Gagnon by the collar and, and says, ''Don't you ever speak in French to my wife again?'' And he was just furious with the, the whole night. He was walking around oh, crazy, stammering. Yeah,
0: in a hell of a rage, right? Panties bunched up,
4: right? But anyway, you know, in '75, I ended up in LA. It was right, right. It was a kind of well, I gotta get, I like, will leave New York. So I went to LA and, in that
0: club scene, yeah. Roddy
4: Bingenheimer, right? Right,
0: and the Stooges, it's their, they're last days
4: right but I remember that uh, when the angry Samoans were doing this anti-Rodney campaign, oh yeah yeah uh, that was Emmy. and it was like I felt sorry for Rodney for a while but then I went to some show I guess it was the Starwood where he was he was he, DJ, right and then I, I was going to go talk to Rodney and say I feel bad you know blah 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 and what is Rodney playing he's playing a bunch of monkey songs and I said eh, yeah. fuck he was Rodney his, you know he's <laughs> <his, his laughs> asking for it.
0: Yeah. Did you see this movie about him? Right. Kind of... I well, felt where, bad for Roddy in that movie. Right, really. where Kim
4: Fowley has to uh, assert his, uh, uh, you know, regal status. I'm the king. Roddy, you're the prince. I'm the king. Right.
0: I did this thing with the Stooges in Randall Island where Kim Fowley was the MC. Oh. All these bands, like Creation and stuff.
4: Right. Is that the one where they had, uh, you know... Uh, Handsome Dick Manitoba playing with, yeah. with, the, MC, with the remnants of the MC5. That's 5. right. right.
0: Yeah. And they had, everybody got like three songs. It was like right. a review thing. And a the lot then they had
4: Runaway, some version of Runaway. That's right. And they Balls. had.
0: <laughs> uh, uh, Mo- 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 Mono Man, the, the Boston guy. Yeah. Li- Liars.
4: Right. And all these
0: kind of 60s. I guess you had to have
4: a. And the pretty things.
0: Pretty Things right. who one, Ronnie's favorite band one of his favorite bands is Pretty yeah. Things.
4: Right. But
0: hardly any songs like two or three songs each and you're off and they bring on the next. That was Lil Steven. That's who it was.
4: Right. He put it together. Right. Little Steven the actor.
0: Yeah he rolled up in the, the moment. Yeah.
4: And yeah.
0: Right. Oh, Stuji's got to play a bunch of songs so for some reason. I
4: once went to a, fo- <laughs> I once went to a football game at Randall's Island and it's, it's stone seats. It's a very uncomfortable place to be.
0: This one was in a field, but uh, it had rained, so it was soggy ground.
4: Right. Yeah, what was it? Was it a dump before or something? I don't know what it was. I okay. think it was a place where they had classical concerts for... Uh, so it was people. always... It was something. A place, okay. But at the events had... Oh, no, it was had, like a landfill They thing. would have like the equivalent of the Boston Pops would play there. You know? Real straight, yeah. okay
0: for some reason I thought it was like a Staten Island thing where they just landfilled and built stuff it over it might
4: have been how it happened yeah
0: okay have you been back
4: I haven't been to uh, my sister lives in Woodstock upstate and, I, and if I go there I fly through Albany I haven't been to Manhattan in, yeah. uh, since 1989 okay so I haven't seen you know like it had not become Disneyland yet <laughs> so I don't, I don't even know I have no interest in seeing it yeah.
0: I know I saw you in L.A. with the magma. so right. I know you've been down there a couple of times yeah. since moving up here.
4: Right. How many years? 14 years? 14 years. Yeah. Smegma, like, they kicked me out, like, you know, like, a few months after that show. Yeah, at the
0: Derby. Right. That was actually the Brown Derby at one right. time. Right,
4: But it was like they kicked me out when, uh, I was sick of it. It was down to, like... Like, they would do maybe four, maybe four gigs a year. Yeah. And would practice. Every Thursday night, practice. You know, I was just like, practice what? You know? And, <laughs> and they never had songs. It was all just jam.
0: Right, right. And then they
4: decided, well, let's have songs. Maybe we could get more gigs. And, uh, you know, they wanted me to write songs, which I, I don't know how to do. I heard you were, yeah, a rock was, opera. Yeah, that was Jackie's idea. She thought... Yeah, come on. The, you know, the rock opera is just what we need.
0: Oh, you mean writing lyrics ain't like writing a song.
4: Well, I mean, I wouldn't sing them. I didn't, I don't know. No, but you wrote lyrics for Blue Oyster. Oh, Co- yeah, but I never, I never, I don't know what a melody is. So
0: you just, like, give them source. I give
4: them, I write a bunch of words on a napkin. And, uh, yeah. And Albert Bouchard would put, you know, would put together uh, a music behind it. Yeah.
0: Wow. Because they had Albert in, uh. Sandy, the yep. manager man, right. he had a, an idea of a rock op- opera. I
4: think they well, ended it up. It was called Imaginos. <laughs> it was yeah. <laughs> they ended up doing it right. It, it was you know it was like after they weren't doing any Columbia didn't want them anymore right. pretty much but they still had all the stuff in the can that Perlman wanted to be released as Imaginos. It's <laughs> his record, and then oh, let's do it as as the cult. Oh okay. And,
0: and that was an all-worked-out thing.
4: He had, like, he'd come to L.A. once in a while, and he, Robbie Krieger played on that. Oh, really? He said, oh, could you play some Slide for us? Uh, I don't know if he's on the release of it, but I saw him record with him. I know Albert was a big part of it. Oh, the yeah. One time Albert
0: was telling me about he it. He
4: was the one guy from that band who was willing to, to be... Everybody hated Sandy by that, so... Okay. You know. Did you go to college with him? Yeah. I went to junior high, high school, and college with him. He was, he was in some ways my best friend. And then he burned me out of like $20,000 on royalties from Burning For You.
0: Oh, wow, yeah. Which still makes the FM radio. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right, well,
4: that's. Uh, so,
0: Burning For You, that was on a napkin. Yeah, but that's
4: that's Buck. I think I sent. Yeah. That ain't Albert, is Right. It? I sent it to them. I probably sent it to both Buck and Albert and uh, and uh, you know there was this guy. What the hell was his name? Uh, Steve something. Steve Shank was like Proven's lieutenant. He was like the guy, the store boss, of the man. Sometimes I'd send him the lyrics, and he'd kind of just pass them around. But but uh, it was always like they used about. One tenth of what I gave them. I think they recorded uh, thirteen of my songs with as B O C, and before that, when they were they had they were the Stock Forest yeah. hit, they recorded se- seven of my songs that, that they never used again. That I thought were the best things I ever gave them.
0: That Stock Forest thing came out. Yeah, somebody released limited
4: it. limited edition of Electric. Maybe Rhino. Yeah, it was Electric slash Rhino. Yeah. yeah. But that was stuff they did when they were a psychedelic pop band before they made. Yeah, maybe Grateful
0: Dead influence a little bit.
4: Absolutely, and they get, like Buck listened to Jerry Garcia. Yeah, there's a cut, you can hear it. There's a cut called "Cream Puff War" on the first Dead album, and you can hear those licks. And, oh and wow! Buck.
0: And Albert told me something about the Blues Project. Al Cooper. Oh
4: yeah, and Danny Caleb was there That, that, that was a big influence on them. Oh I yeah, said. but Buck says the. Growing up, his big influence, influences were stuff like Santo and Johnny. You know who they were? They did instrumentals. on oh, yeah, like yeah. you know, Titles like Sleepwalk.
0: Well, his pop was a sax player. Yeah, something like
4: that. Yeah, but he was. Toy uh, Johnny. He was kind of I mean. The thing about they were all short and Buck, Oh and yeah. Mr. the. Was the Lemire, maybe. Right, right. So in the Stork Forest, uh, they did somebody uh, did a drawing for the cover. They had you know shots of the faces, and the person didn't know how tall everybody was. So they were all tall on, on the cover, stuff first that. Yeah,
0: I I didn't. Now if you look at the pictures, you see how big the guitars. I didn't. Arena rock, everybody was little, so I never knew. Right. But now if I look back, you see it too with the, that Rick Derringer around. Yeah. He's got gloves on, right? Right. And the guitar.
4: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As a kid, you had there, no he was, idea. It was in the McCoys, I think, Rick Derringer. And then White Trash. I saw, with, uh, them, open, never... I saw them open for the Rolling Stones at the Academy of Music in wow. the late '65.
0: That's like one of the first ones, right?
4: Yeah. Academy. Right. And that was another show you couldn't hear anything. Couldn't. Even a closed the room, they didn't know how to do sound yet. <laughs> right. Yeah. But it was, uh, the know, sound
0: was pretty bad when I was going to those 70s gigs, too. Oh, man. But at least you could hear something. But you couldn't uh, really hear bass.
4: But Smegma, I think you sort saw the Smegma show at the Derby. Then we right. played, I think the next night, we played at some art house in Silver Lake where they, uh, they had no sound. And no. it was like, they, oh, you, you know, you didn't bring your own PA. Uh, uh. <laughs> wow. You know, it was, it was bad.
0: You sounded great, though, Jervy. I
4: thought so, yeah.
0: When Steve McKay played with you,
4: right? Did he,
0: that's because he was on with the opening band, or did he play with Smack My Life? He McLellana? played
4: with us a little bit, you okay. know, like off and on. And and he, uh, we did a recording with him. I don't know if it ever came out.
0: Oh, yeah. oh yeah, he told me about that. Yeah, maybe something for the Radon Collective. Right, I think it is.
4: Right.
0: Uh what about writing books? When did you start writing books?
4: Well. I was I never, For rock right I never wanted to be a writer yeah I was a philosophy major in college so I write these papers but I never I never I never took an English class I never read literature and, and all the writing I did was this very uh, kind of scholarly I, I, I mean it was probably a very awkward attempt at scholarship but I wrote a lot of papers when I was in college and then when the, the uh, Crawdaddy came out, I started writing in the same style, I'd review the uh, Between the Buttons album and things like this. And uh, and it was, I was very lucky that uh, to, to get started at a time when you had all these mags. Little by little there were, you know, between 67 and 70 there were like 30 mags.
0: Right, right. A and, lot of them shills, right?
4: And they would all... Oh, yeah. But so it was right. like, They'd pay you like $12.50. And if that's all they're going to pay you, they, they'd take anything you give them. But so, was it quite any more like people really liked the music? Oh, yeah. They didn't pay anything. But, I mean, they'd have magazines with names like Big Fat <laughs> from somewhere in Michigan. And, and, you know, and you'd just write for them. And, and they'd take anything you gave them because... Nobody was doing you know, it. There weren't, yeah, it wasn't every kid doing it yet. And so that's how I got my chops, doing, uh, you know.
0: When is the aesthetics of rock?
4: That was a, mostly an, ex, an expansion of a paper that I did when I was a junior in college. Yeah. And uh, it was, I wrote that in 65, in basically. And when nobody was writing about rock and roll, and I just thought, yeah, I gotta do this. I gotta write about it. What was the
0: take? Most people, this is little kid music.
4: and nobody's going to write about it at the time it was like even jazz was like you know only a very few people wrote about jazz you know and uh, how do you write about music anyway yeah really so you're writing mostly about the lyrics but jazz it's harder to do because you don't have the lyrics lyrics. but uh, so I think the easiest hook was you had lyrics to quote and the problem was when it finally became a book uh, it took five years for the book to come out didn't come out until 70 because uh, they had to clear uh, uh, the lyrics with the publishing companies and and the artists. And some people wanted to get paid. This was a little company called the Something Else Press. You know, they put out books by John Cage and things like that. So I remember that uh, Bob Dylan wanted $75 for any little quote, just a fraction of a line and a thousand dollars if you quoted a whole a whole song. Wow. So I wrote about Like a Rolling Stone. Yeah. You know, like 40 years before Grill Marcus did a book about it. I wrote a pretty good stretch of pages about it, and it was entirely a draft from the book, because I couldn't, I couldn't afford money. How did you get the, Did you have an agent then? No. Nah. How did I get it? I was, the was first, the first... The book was turned down seven or eight times. The first place was Grove Press. I had a, there was some sociology teacher named Ned Polsky who knew somebody at Grove Press, Richard Seaver who was like somebody who just died about six months ago, who uh, published uh, after he was with Grove. He didn't. He, he had his own company, Seaver Books, and then a company called Arcade. Put out a lot, a lot of Beatnik books, and, and Samuel Beckett, and you know, uh-huh. lots of stuff. And anyway, uh, he turned it down. <laughs> and and uh, I was just just very crestfallen, and then it was turned down by this this hipster named Alan Rinsler. He was at I think like Millen books, and he was this guy who would snap his fingers and say, "Hey, who did the original version of uh, this is dedicated to the one I love?" you know I just he had to prove that he he was happy. and he was just a jious guy he turned it down. Yeah. and then a little later he was at Rolling Stone and he became the editor-in-chief at Stray Arrow Books they had a publishing house for while. and he put out Gulcher wow. because he felt like oh hey you're, you're happening now i got to put you out uh-huh. uh, but but anyway uh, Hutch places turned down the Aesthetics of Rock and then uh, finally this, this guy uh, what the hell was his name he had this company Something Else Press yeah well, I can't remember his name but, but anyway, the jerks get remembered. <laughs> but, but anyway, he was uh, Dick something or other, and he... Uh, Thank you, Dick. That was my pop's name. Yeah. Yeah, you remember called Dick? I was called Dick E. That's what okay, he Dick E. Little Dickie. My pop was never
0: called Richard. Yeah. Except my mother yeah. in the anger thing, so right. he's always Dick what? But you know what? It's his middle name. He was never called James.
4: Right. What's that about? Right. Yeah, Dick Higgins was this guy. Dick name. Higgins, all right. And Thank so, you, Dick So Higgins. they got the Beatles. They got the rights to quote the Beatles stuff. Uh, what happened was John Cage was putting out a book called Notations. It was a, like a bunch of oddball musical, like sheets where guys, would, composers, would write their stuff down, and, and he wanted to get a, uh, a handwritten Beatle lyric, and so he called up his friend Yoko Ono in London and said that's, hey oh that's right that's right so, and so uh, Yoko uh, uh, is having a show of her stuff and she invites John Lennon to the show and that's how they met was well, because oh wow because Yoko uh, you know was asked to uh, get a Beatle uh, manuscript
0: you know she's making an app she res- uh, resurrected uh, the uh, plasticoto uh, man uh, 75 years old right friend of mine did a gig with her and took 75, her right. 75 in hot pants came right. on
4: stage right but anyways <laughs> so she gets this Beatle uh, lyric right, right and it goes in a book and that's so the company had some connection to the Beatles and then to get the rights to, to the lyrics Paul McCartney was just hooking up with uh, Linda and uh and so he said, "Oh, if you uh, get me an, an autographed copy of such and such a book in your catalog, uh, or, or autographed to Linda for Valentine's Day, you can have the rights to any Beatles wow. stuff you want." So that's how they got the Beatles, the computer rights. And uh, wow, you know, total
0: coincidence!
4: Oh, yeah. Yeah. wow. But. Uh, but anyway, so that was book number one, and by the time it came out, it was five years out of date. Right, right, right. It was like, the, you know, maybe it was the first rock book written, but it was about the 10th to come out. But I got a lot of uh, kind of like instant uh, party invites and stuff. The summer of 1970, I just get to go to, get on all the mailing lists. And, and, and then when I... You have arrived. Then when Gulcher, Gulcher came out, yeah. like a couple of years later... I was I was uh, I had two books and then uh, I stopped having books for a few years yeah, right. uh, and then they started you know uh, you know observing my behavior I was an uncouth loud at these parties and so they would throw me off all the mailing lists and uh
0: by this time, you stopped writing reviews, and well, all
4: that. I was. I, little by little. I was. I could take it I Remember, you told me you were just
0: looking at album covers.
4: Oh yeah, I did a lot of reviews where I didn't listen to the record But uh, in those days, I was nasty. I might put, the, I, you know, the, these days if I did that, I would, I would give a positive review. The <laughs> things I listened to, but then I would even like uh, mock and put the put the band down if I didn't even know what they were. <laughs> No, you know that's a little nasty, okay. <laughs> but uh, but anyway, so I, I was just the, you know a bad boy of that scene, and and that's half of why. Uh, and meanwhile, I was writing for the Village Voice. Yeah, we had these, uh, you know, Robert Criscol and uh, and Richard. You didn't Clarkson. like
0: uh, Jim Morris. Hated him. Yeah, so maybe, maybe that's why I'm thinking of anti-New new York.
4: Right, but they hate, they came to hate me because they thought I was an anti-intellectual. And, um, and I should be tarred. You told fire. me about
0: the party. he comes with Dina Rock on the shirt.
4: Oh, you always, yeah. R- Robert got Dean of American Rock Critics. Picture of Little Richard on yeah, there. Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Right. But he was, you know, they, they just kind of really, uh, they didn't, they thought I was just too, uh, you know, on one hand, too sloppy. I, I didn't, I, I didn't yet think it was important to write to be articulate, I would just <coughs> do a scattergun kind of old. Yeah, yeah,
0: <laughs> a very, very vernacular and when, too. And when, I, and
4: when I did say something right on the dime, they didn't like what I said.
0: Oh, okay.
4: I mean, oh, oh what about the, the the Lester
0: and the Cream thing? Well, that comes out of Crawdaddy.
4: Yeah, I mean, Cream was the best of the Rock Max. for okay. sure. Yeah, yeah. You know. And then, before Lester was the editor, Dave Marsh was the editor. Right, right. And he was a kind of, like, happy-go-lucky kid. The first time I've met him, he had two Budweisers, one in each hand. <laughs> two fists. You know, and he was 20 years old, and he was a fun guy. Yeah. And, and then he became a real stiff, like, quickly. And, and uh, the stiff that he is today. Yeah. And, uh, but anyway, Lester was living in San Diego, and then he went to work in, uh, Yeah. You know, wherever they were, in, they were, they were Ann Arbor. Dearborn. Oh, they were a town called Wald Lake, Michigan, Wall so Lake. A suburb of Detroit, I guess.
0: Yeah, Ronnie told me you'd just go over to that house.
4: Right. So Lester was uh, the editor for a while, he was really uh, kind of. Uh, he was always a great friend, but as an editor, he was just. He just made these ridiculous demands he'd call you up four o'clock in the morning I need something on the doors by noon can you write it <laughs> you know like uh and, and it wouldn't run you know and it would Chris Kyle was in that too though a little bit you know okay, the consumer Guide. yeah yeah, that was syndicated yeah
0: so that's what it was, it was syndicated
4: but but Lester was you know then Lester moved to well, I thought he
0: actually took stuff and put his name on it
4: oh I'm not yeah. sure I did that I used to use other people's names all the whole time I had I had a couple of pseudonyms of my own that I liked. One was was uh, Borneo Jimmy, and then uh, the Dictators did a song called Borneo Jimmy. And then uh, I had another one, Audie Murphy Jr. And, and uh, but I would use other rock writers' names. Yeah. Yeah. Dick's got a bar now. Right. Did you ever go there?
0: I went there once. Yeah. Yeah. I met somebody.
4: There's just two guys playing and and it's just very seamless it's just like it's almost like it's blues yeah and it's almost like it's played for God you know it's like which the audience is you know this guy recorded four sides in his life and then just disappeared oh wow and one was this two sided thing and uh and it's just like you know about the terror of life and, you know my baby left me and I'm gonna kill her and you know like
0: Okay. Yeah. Maybe. What do you think of that stuff, like the fat possum? People trying to get back to Some that field.
4: You ever see uh, T, T. Model Ford? Yeah. You know, it's like he he, he's, he learned guitar when he was seventy.
0: Right, right. That is your
4: right He a ride sits there with a little bottle of whiskey while he's playing, Yeah. he can play all
0: night. Arlo Burnside
4: and all right. I saw uh, Daniel Johnston open for Arlo Burnside.
7: <laughs> How about some and The
4: audience was always there for Burnside, not for him.
7: And he says,
4: "Where's the garbage tonight? I thought there'd be garbage for me." <laughs>
0: I met him when he was a teenager. He's huh. quite a piece.
4: He was managed by his father. Oh, Just yeah. He him on a tight leash.
0: Had to. He almost tried to kill him. Yeah. Right. Right? Grab the wheel of the airplane. Right. Yeah. He came to uh, a couple of my gigs all the Steve Shelley took him under his wing, the Sonic Youth drummer, for a while. And it was just, yeah, very difficult. Small sense of entitlement. Okay. And then this one, which one?
4: number, I think, Eleven on this one. "Rub Lacy, Ham Hound, Crave."
0: Ham hound. I
4: think it's from 19, 1928 and it's like everything that rock and roll would ever be. It's like it's about pussy. Yeah. <laughs> ham ham Says I don't need no, I don't need no kissing, don't need no hugging. Mama got a ham bone. I wonder can I get it boiled? And he ended up being a, a man of the Lord, a minister who moved to L.A. Yeah. in Mississippi. Wow! And maybe Dave Alton said he ran into. Him. Oh, so he's he was, he was still alive in the '60s.
0: Older man, but yeah. Ham Hound Crave. Who went religious? Uh, (coughs) Ham Hound Cake. That's a different one. Ham Hound
4: Crave.
0: But there's Ham Hound Cake. Yeah. Or maybe they fucked up. Yeah,
4: that's right. Yeah, number 11.
0: Yeah. Yeah, there's a company called uh, Grace Harmony, and they're supposedly the database that these things go after. Yeah. But... this is the way the internet is. You only have to have one place where the changes, and yeah. there's no pieces of paper. There's no.
4: Right.
0: My house has a copy. Your house, no one right. thing. So, very fragile.
4: It's not, you know, the the, the, the document, the ar- the archive is uh, suspect.
0: Yeah, very central. You know, the one, what the guy Winston Smith's job, right? Who's, who won the chess game? Right.
4: Well, it's also like the like. Uh, Book publishers and, and uh, you know, LA Times, whatever. Nobody does fact checking anymore no, because no. because you go online and the facts are uh, aren't checked there. No. So. Uh,
0: okay, let's play this. It's warm in here.
4: think so? I got the heater going. So play, it, play these three things and then talk?
2: Go yeah, back on. yeah.
8: Make me love you, you're gonna break my heart in you. I'd have you, dumb woman, what made you wanna love? I'd have you, man, woman, what made you wanna love? How dare you with me, Fab Brown? 'Cause that's the day you die. i rather see you dead, buried in some type of hole. I'd rather see you dead, mama, buried in some type of hole. And I hear some goblin mama that she up you. It was only one morning, just about to break good
7: day. It was only
8: one morning, just about to break a day. I'm a brown skin, can My baby quit me, she done set my trunk out too. My baby quit me, she done set my trunk out too. I put the poor boy one in, Lord he walked in there. everywhere you go. I said trouble, yeah, mama, You trouble everywhere you go. That's trouble, yeah, mama, baby, good girl, I don't know. No, do know. Leilé! Le- Le-
7: backbones, mama got a hand bone, I wonder can I get it boys, I did the call, go with me now, about to let my hand bones boys, church bells are ringing, the preacher preaching sick, I the writing, the members shouting, the, the better take going and take my gallon
3: oh,
7: And all the children, Papa, trying to sing my song. Let me be your rock or not. Tell your street here I come. Let me be. You rock or not, tell your straight yeah come, and I rock you even
0: the straightest ever done. What for Pedro show? That was uh, some songs Richard picked there. That was Rube Lacey with Ham Hound Crave yeah, and... which was like uh, was recorded in
4: 1928. It's like everything in rock and roll uh, years later would be, in a nutshell, it was like, he, I think he recorded maybe four sides total, Rube Lacey, and this one is like, I don't need no hugging, I don't need no kissing, Mama got a ham bone, I wonder can I get it boiled? <laughs> you know, that's, it says, that says everything rock and roll would later try to say. Uh, what was know, Tutti Fruity about Walk, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, she rocked me to the east she rocked me to the west but, uh, but anyway Rube Lacey uh, after, it used to be if you played in just, like juke joints and fish fries it would just be everybody's drinking like uh, corn liquor and, and somebody would get stabbed every time he played. Just, you played know, just just and so some of these people decided I gotta give up this life or I'm gonna go to hell Hi. Right. you know, maybe I'll get stabbed the next time I play. So he was one of those guys who just thought this is too dangerous. Uh, I'm getting out. my destiny. So he became a preacher and, oh, the preacher. Oh, the guy think? I was
0: trying to remember is Mark Farner. he that right. became.
4: Oh, he, he's a preacher.
0: No, well, he does the thing at the end of the gig where you get to uh, testify or something oh, backstage. Okay. So I've heard from people playing the gigs. Man, it
4: runs late. Yeah, <laughs> one at a time. <laughs> Right, but anyway, that song, you know, that, that was. Uh, I think they got the, the, the title on the record is Ham Hound Crave, and I think they asked them what the what's the title of that one, and I think he said Ham Ham uh, Ham Hound Gravy, and they got it wrong as Ham Hound. Ah, uh,
0: and the and the Graysnow people called it Ham Ham Hound Cake.
4: cake close
0: it's going to be forever fucked up
4: right but before that it was part one and two of Garfield Acres Cop- yeah, Cotton yeah. Blues which sounds to me like you know he's you know you play maybe these records would sell 800 copies or something like that and in the, in the 40s these white collectors would find old scratchy 78s let's see what, what we got here yeah right so once in a while they were able to reconstruct who was this person anyway right and I think that uh, Garfield Lakers also did a total of four sides and then disappeared from the face of the earth.
0: Yeah, not a preacher. Uh, but the
4: guy that he's playing with on there, uh, what the hell is his name, he ended up being rediscovered, as they say, during the Newport Folk Festival early 60s. They'd send these expeditions down south to say, hey, can we, you know, is Skip James still alive? You know, and uh-huh. like, like Bob Height from uh, Ken Heed and John Fahey. Yeah, yeah. people would go... Al Wilson from Candy, they'd all go down and, who can we find? And somehow, uh, Joe Colicott was his name. The I think Billy Gibbons did
0: that with Lightning Hopkins. Was
4: that? Well, I did He got these drama. licks for oh, no, yeah, the ZZ Top. Yeah, but Lightning Hopkins always had a little bit of visibility, but some of these people, just they went back to being sharecroppers. Oh, yeah, right, quick. You know? yeah. So Joe Colicott was found, I think, R. Holy recorded some sites by him in the, okay. in the 60s. And even after being rediscovered, he, he disappeared again and, and they're not even sure where he died they think he died about 72 but they're not wow. sure you know.
0: we, did, we skipped over that period in the 60s folk because I, I am yeah. I just thinking of Ronnie. Ronnie told me there was a period yeah. where he wore a corduroy coat and smoked a pipe
4: right, <laughs> to <see Ron> <laughs> right was, a lot of that was, was like you know you read Playboy magazine and every other ad was for pipe <laughs> You know, smoking jacket and a bike, and, <laughs> and he said he went to folk gigs.
0: It wasn't really until the Beatles really brought on this electric yeah. music to bands, right. yeah.
4: and like Dylan was the guy. his the first meet the music. He grew up with was rock and roll you know, yeah, in right. Minnesota, and when he went to folk because rock was sort of not happening for a while, and he just there was some intensity in folk. There. Right, right. He wanted to, uh, you know, tune in on. And Did you go
0: to some of those pads in New York City, I the went, folk I pads?
4: Went to Gertie's Folk City. Uh, we're doing uh, his first gig was yeah I didn't see him I saw, I saw uh, Brownie McGee and Sonny Terry and everybody was wearing a, like a, a loose fitting sweater all the guys were loose fitting sweaters some with a tie under the sweater and, uh, <laughs> with the elbow patch right <laughs> well, it kind of a dreary place okay. you know because uh, there was another one
0: Folk City West right later on yeah that's the first minute man New huh. York City gig
3: huh.
0: He played with a band called President of the United States Right Not this other one from Seattle But this is years before They were Fusion,
4: uh, <laughs> Fusion. Right <laughs> But I want to play uh, We could do this next to whatever Is like Dylan I got like uh, uh, Dylan on one of these records He did Time Out of Mind Which is an album that, Is that Newark? Well, no, this is this is from maybe the eighties.
0: That's what I mean by newer. <laughs> right,
4: this is from ninety-two, but okay. whatever that was. That, uh, Have you heard his radio show? Yeah, it, seems, it seems scripted. It i never heard it, it. Doesn't sound like he's saying anything that he came up with himself. Okay, wow. You know, like I say, he put on Charles Aznavour's so He's Written over one thousand songs. I I'm familiar with five hundred of them. I'm <laughs> Sure.
0: I saw him for the first time in my life, I was, Stu just played this Pimlico racetrack in Maryland.
4: Pimlico. Pimlico. Yeah, (laughs) that's that's where they had the Preakness. Preakness. Yeah. Where a woman just
0: won. Right. Or Philly. Pettibone Big Pony Man, I'm learning from him. But anyway, uh, I see Bobby Dylan for the first, he's dressed mariachi. Uh. He only will play keyboard and some harmonica, no guitar.
4: I, I saw him play what, "Time Out of Mind," which was the first album of his. That was about '97. I thought it was, it was the, a concept album where every song was about death and dying, Small. growing old. They're very, uh, like uh, I thought, it was the best album he ever did. Better than that '60s. Better than Blonde and Blonde, yeah. And and uh, bringing it all very, back very, home. Yeah, very, very grim, but just perfectly, uh, you know, conceived. And then so I started listening I got the ones he did before that, he did these two uh, folk albums where it was just Tim with acoustic guitar, one is called Good As I've Been To You and the other is World Gone Wrong, where he just does, and he has like songs that Jerry <laughs> so Garcia played for him you know, once, oh. about the Civil War, and, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and so there's this one here, Jim Jones, it's just this terrific song, sung with an Australian accent about a guy, a British uh, Bobby Jones. Criminal, Yeah, a British criminal being sent to Botany Bay in, you know, 1770 or whatever, you know, and they'll yet regret they sent Jim Jones and chains to Botany Bay. It's, a, it's something about revenge. Yeah, right. Uh, you know, wow. and, and it's like, uh, so that's on here. And then there's this other one where he does, let me step it up and go, which was originally done by Blind Boy Fuller, who was, uh, you know, not just blind, but mean. He, he once tried to shoot his wife. He, he took shots at her. He was blind. Oh, so he man. hit her. But uh, when uh, 1937 or 39, whatever, they had this thing called uh, Spirituals to Swing, John Hammond put on John Hammond Sr., oh, yeah. he, who was by then, I think, Benny Goodman's brother in law. And so he puts on this event where he has, it starts with like spirituals and works its way up to where the high point of uh, American music is Benny you know that it all leads to Benny but it has <laughs> it has they wanted to get Robert Johnson to play uh, you know they had heard Robert Johnson's records oh let's yeah. get him they didn't realize he was already dead a few months many years so who okay who, who will we get so they oh how about Boy Boy Fuller no oh, he's in jail for trying to shoot his wife <laughs> so they got instead they got uh, oh what's his name Kind of Chicago, a, a Mississippi, Arkansas guy who moved to uh, a bl- a Big Bill Brunsey. They got him instead. Big Bill Brunsie. Yeah, but but anyway, uh, So I got the like the the uh, the Blind Boy Fuller version of "Step It Up and Go." He's not one tenth as hot as Bob Dylan's
0: version. Wow.
4: You know. So we could play. Uh, yeah,
0: but next hour because the yeah. second hour for Peter show uh, May twenty two two thousand nine is over. Hang so, tight for hour three. May twenty second, two thousand nine. It's the third hour of the Watt from Pedro show.
5: Come and listen for a moment, lads, and hear me tell my tale. Out across the sea from England, I was condemned to sail by the jury. Says the judge, says he. Over oh, like Jim Jones, I'm sending you across the stormy sea. But take a trip before you ship to John the I am gang. Don't get too kicking, but Bay, or else you'll surely hang. Your Sally hangs, says he. And after that, Tim Jones is high up upon the gallery. stream The crows will pick your bow And our ship was high up on the sea when pirates came. Soldiers on a convict ship, well 500 strong. So they opened fire and somehow drove that pirate ship away. But I'd rather have joined that pirate ship and gone to Botany Bay. With the storms raging round us and the winds are blowing. I'd rather have drowned in misery than gone to New South Wales. There's no time for mischief, as they say. Remember that's as they, oh, they'll the potion and of you down there in Botany. The irons clanging like for galley slaves We toil and toil and when we die Must build this honored grave That is by and by I'll slip my chains into the bush and go down I'll see those tyrants one and all I'm going the fly us down oh, I'll give the line a little shock to remember what I said and they'll yet regret they've sent him Jones in chains to fight me back
2: Yeah, it does go. Ain't only got to step it up and go
0: Sorry about that. Would anybody want their hearts to go so fast? When you're young, you're into that.
4: Right. but no. <laughs> well, it's also the ideal. Like, i I want to stay awake for three days. So, you know,
0: get a lot of work done.
4: Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess.
0: That's the real danger, though, even more than the chemicals. Not caulking and then the hallucination. Right. A lot of working people in my town. It's like are, a speed you, drug.
4: are we on the air now? Yeah. Because oh. I was when. Uh, of things Lester Bangs uh, uh, taught me was uh, like a lot of these beats would, when you could get uh, Ben's, these Benzema inhalers, and uh, and so, you know, you just like Kerouac, uh, yeah. you know, would write for six days straight on the stuff, and, and so... Uh, what, what did um,
0: Capote call it? Typing? Yeah, Is it's right? not writing, <laughs> it's
4: typing, yeah, try tried sometime. But, but anyway, uh, Lester said, Lester said he looked up in a, because the, the rumor was there's no, there is no benzadrine in these inhalers anymore. And Lester says it's not true. He looked up at some pharmacopoeia where it, it says whatever they're calling this drug now is equivalent to benzodrine. So So I saw him once, uh, one of the last times I saw him. We went to this uh, Mexican restaurant in uh, in Venice, La Cabana. And, uh, I says, "I don't really want to eat. Can, can we stop at a drugstore first? I got to get some inhalers." And so he got uh, six inhalers. He broke them. He was sitting on the curb and he broke them open with a shoe. And he swallowed six six cottons. And and we went inside. He, he had a he was still he's like burping and everything. He had to wash it down. He said, "I don't really drink anymore, but I, I need a beer to wash this down." And he was just like like a, a mess. And so I thought, I would better try this. And so a few weeks later, <laughs> I had a deadline. I had, I had to write something really quick. So I, I did a, uh, an inhaler. And, and, I, and I was like breathing menthol for three days. So thought, <laughs> it, worked, it worked pretty good, actually. You know
0: Charlie now? Yeah.
4: Yeah,
0: he's a good cat. I got to meet him.
4: Huh.
0: And he, the Zap comics and right. living with Ginsburg and Keezy and... Actually, uh,
4: You mean it was, it was Thurston or Byron, those people? Yeah. They
0: had me come read poems in Western Massachusetts. I'm going to meet yeah. this guy. He's living in Cherry Valley.
4: Right. And, well, he has that book, Cherry Valley Editions, the yeah.
0: company. It's kind of upstate New York.
4: Right.
0: Amazing man. I got to uh, live some life. Yeah. It's L- still living life. Right. And, uh, yeah. Sort of right. like the Stooges thing where there's primary source. There's, yeah. You know,
4: there's You're things right. that You're aren't right.
0: second, third, fourth, yeah. fifth yeah. hand.
4: Fly Mel wrote a great, nasty, angry poem directed to Allen Ginsberg. Like at a certain point in the 80s where Allen had just, you know, gone commercial. Weirded out, yeah. And he just, just screamed at him in his poem. Wow. And, uh, but The Last of
0: the beautiful book. First yeah, militant, oh yeah, Broadway. oh yeah, yeah.
4: Wow. Right. Wow. And, he, and Kesey, not Kesey, Neil Cassidy was living with him when yeah. Kennedy got shot. Yeah. The night they both heard that Kennedy got shot. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, he said he was a piece of work. Denver.
4: Right.
2: And I met, I
0: met Barbara Tall Bob. He's another Kansas cat. Yeah. This guy, he's in his seventies. He came to one of my gigs. Uh, I didn't really know the beat thing. I'm, I'm learning a lot about it now. Uh, not a lot of cats it's kind of a small scene
4: well you know uh, sometimes I sit down and I'll uh, try to make a list short list is small but there's maximum about 35 people yeah like and uh, (laughs) and three of them come from from were in Portland you know it's like in 1956 uh, Alan Ginsberg read the poem Howl live for the first time in in San Francisco five poets read at this thing one of them, Allen Ginsberg, was from New York Michael McClure is from Kansas Philip Lamantia was from San Francisco and two poets Gary Snyder and Philip were from from Portland so the most overrepresented town was Portland and so the whole myth that New York meets San Francisco and and that's when it happens no, it was New York meets Portland in San Francisco. I mean, and these guys got Kerouac interested in becoming a lookout, the fire lookout. In the sky. Right, right. <laughs> and, it, well, you know, they got this whole Northwestern sensibility from uh, three guys, uh, Philip Whale and Gary Snyder and Lou Welch. And Lou Welch is, like, to me, the most romantic figure of the whole lot. They all went, they went to Reed College together. Yeah. And Lou was a guy who... It's it's it hasn't been verified, but it is claimed he worked for an ad agency, and it is claimed after he went to school, his mother said, "Get a job," yeah. So he couldn't go directly to San Francisco to be a poet. Yeah, right. So he worked for an ad agency, and it is claimed that he he coined the phrase "raid kills bugs dead," <laughs> and that he hated himself for this. Yeah. And Allen Ginsberg said, "No, it's great. It's all consonants. Raid kills bugs dead," <laughs> but he felt this grief that. What you got to do in America to survive? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he just became a terrible, terrible drunk, living in San Francisco. And after Neil Cassidy was no longer Kerouac's Drive Ride, yeah, Lou Welch became uh, Jack's we Wheels, yeah. And and after a while, you know, Jack dies. You know, yeah, he's just a drunk every day for seven years. Right, right. And, and, like a Lou is, and Lou is like that. And Lou, Lou uh, his, his last uh, woman, uh, her name was Magda Craig, and her son's name was uh, uh, Huey Craig, who went on to become Huey Lewis. He took the Lewis in honor of Lewis Welch. Oh, wow. But anyway, he Lou, uh, after he's just so after, well, inconsolably miserable, and he's just, uh, I can't live anymore. So he writes his greatest poem, Song of the Turkey Buzzard, in honor of, uh, you know, a Vulture. And and he says... I see a lot of them torn, believe yeah. me. And he says, please uh, don't grieve for me. Leave my body on a rock. I want to enter the food tube of nature. Turkey Buzzard, descend. Wow. And so he ran in the woods with his gun in 1972 It was never found. You know, like... It yeah. assumed he knew to get deep enough in the woods that they'd never find him. And Maybe the turkey th- buzzards got guys. Was found him. Yeah. Wow. But anyway, he, he's, uh, and, and he, uh, you know, spent time in Portland. And, but Charlie uh, ends
0: up working on the docks in San Francisco. He's got right. his best job. Yeah. Well, he
4: probably knew Lou who worked on the docks too. Yeah. yeah. But, but uh, anyway, uh, the beach, this is what I uh, spend my time doing. I read old beatnik books.
0: Yeah. Interesting stuff.
4: And, not, and there's no such thing as beatnik style because, they, you know, if they're 35 of them, they write at least 27 different ways, <laughs> yeah, <right>. you know.
0: But <laughs> Bukowski, he was, a he younger was,
4: he was, was the youngest guy on the scene and more, an outsider. He was too much of a loner. He hated, you yeah. know, associating. You know, he's buried in my town yeah. in his last
0: 14 years right.
4: there. He just, uh, he loathed all those people and uh, yeah, he wouldn't he, read with them.
0: He's staying at the same hotel as Burroughs and he won't meet him.
4: Right. The only one that he had any real contact with was a guy named Jack Michelin, who was sort of a street poet, uh, like, uh, you know, a guy who who uh, lived in San Francisco and kept getting thrown out of hotels. He had like 40 suitcases containing all his writings. And, uh, and Charlie like, said he liked Bukowski. Yeah.
0: Uh, and I met him a few few times in town, yeah. He was always very nice to me. You, yeah. you would, from the writing, think this guy was a meanest
4: fuck. He was all, all over the place. Yeah.
0: yeah, he was...
4: But there's this woman named Liza Williams who, uh, she's in one of those uh, Bukowski yeah. documentaries and she was the head of publicity at Highland Records and she hooked up with Bukowski and uh, I got to go to dinner with them in 72 uh, or something and he, he was really nasty to her and, and after... Uh, after he dumped her, she said, "I wouldn't give him the ice in winter." <laughs> and, uh, and she just—I used to be in touch with her, and she—she yeah. uh, she was uh, like a bipolar, and uh, little by little, she couldn't take the uh, lithium anymore. It was destroying uh, her cerebellum. They wow, it. so she it's had and She went off meds and just became a lunatic and and she disappeared from the face of the earth, she was late 70s and she uh, used to call me crazy, Is you know, just whenever she called me she was just out of her mind and then she, she disappeared two years ago and nobody knows what happened to her. Well,
0: Linda Bukowski still lives in 2
4: She was like so uh, uh, hell and gone that Linda Bukowski sent Liza a check for $1,000. I think you could use this. Liza ripped it up. The nerve of that woman, you know, what you trying to do? Uh, okay.
0: Linda came to some minute gig. Huh. Yeah.
4: Yeah. But I wanted the next thing we play, which we, we still have to queue up, yeah. uh, is uh, Mr. Uh, Charles Vegas, Hithycanthropus uh, uh, Erectus. Yeah, so yeah, which, great. Which I, I, I'm, uh, I'm sort of a newly... What about
0: the Thunderdod? You like that.
4: Oh, yeah. Is that true? I think <laughs> it's pretty good. There's people who say he actually had a thousand-page manuscript, so what, oh, happened, really? what happened to the rest of it, you know? I,
0: well, I, I don't care if something is made up, maybe. Right. I, I think it gives you a sense of music. Right. feel of music.
4: Oh, yeah. But he, he, I met him in New York because he was oh, a, really? married to this... Uh, Susan Graham who had a magazine called Changes, and he did a song, Sue's Changes. Right! But he used to play What's at the, the at, uh, Christmas time, Christmas, she had a Christmas party every year, and and Mingus, one year, made the eggnog, and the next year he made uh, mulled wine. He says, eggs ain't good for you, so I'm not making my eggnog again. <laughs> but, did, you, did you get to rap with him? It he hey, was man. very hard to talk to. He was, oh. he was surly, the cast kind of way. <laughs> Know, but but uh, but anyway, the first time I I'm I'm newlywed. I've been married uh, 10, 11 yeah. months. Right. You know, to, it's a wonderful woman who saved my life, uh, yeah. darling Jessica, who will hear this out. So, yes, yeah, so, she will. So uh, this is the first time I went to her house. Let's the first her. thing she was playing. I mean, she's. Uh, was Pit the We were talking about this
0: yesterday, Jackie McLean. Yeah. You know, if to start writing, he punches him. And
4: yeah.
0: He wrecks his amateur, you know, this right. thing. and right. takes a knife and ripped his shirt. Right. Only put a scratch on Mingus. But of course, a month later, he's playing back with him, and Mingus would open up his shirt. Hey, Jackie. Yeah. <laughs> Just
4: go to him. was also there was a guy named, uh, what the hell was his name, Trombonist. Uh, Jimmy Nepper, who's, who's not on this record, but he's a terrific uh, white trombonist. That he got in, uh, you know, permanent falling out with Mingus at some point, and, uh, oh. to the point where uh, when they did a uh, Richmond, Dan Richmond yeah. was his usual drummer. Yeah, Played Ricky through is, a lot of he's these. His best drummer, yeah, right.
0: But, oh well, there's that one that he puts out on Charles Mingus records it was right. supposed to be the UCLA gig or something oh yeah that's kicks great. the whole
4: band off right. this it's got some title like music written for performance at Monterey Pop Festival not played uh, yeah. and he
0: boots the right. band off right they're, they're stinking it up I guess and it right. slowly brings it back
4: Lots right. the damn thinking. It was, <laughs> wow. and so they did this thing called Epitaph a few years ago. Yeah, right. Which is so, you know, like, is it, nothing ferocious about it. It's not the way it you it's like. It's a long piece of composed music that right. uh, he wrote, but it's not performed though. They get Winton Marsalis and people. Oh, I know, I know. And it's it's just very tame, and it doesn't have any of the feel that makes hey, this. about Winton,
0: there's a Burns thing. That Nels right. told me about. The right. guy who does baseball and Civil War, all yeah. out of order yeah, and shit. Yeah. He said there's no Mingus in the Jazz one.
4: Is that right? Because I think it, it may be the last day of the, the last 10 minutes of it, they show you, oh, and then after Louis Armstrong and <laughs> yeah, I it's I a think, lot of Louis. I does. think they have one beef cameo by Mingus. And that's oh, it. really? Yeah. And Nels was
0: telling me, no Mingus.
4: Right. The whole thing is like Gary Giddens, who was like this. Uh, Another guy at the Village Voice who hated me because I said that Eric Dolphy uh, uh, played punk rock, and he wrote oh. this nasty letter. How dare you, uh, you know?
0: Dolphy was great. Yeah, he so was so punk, and so was punk
4: rock. So yeah. Yeah, but, he was wild. But anyway, he's in. A, in a, uh, he was straight, huh? He was diabetes or something. Right, he was very straight. He was from L.A. The L.A. Cat. Right. The bump. I went to visit his... Uh, at some point, I, went, I, I knew his address, and I went down and took a picture of his house. Very... You know, he's been dead 10, 12, 15 years. Yes. And very perfectly kept uh, at home, nice porch. Wow. Everything.
0: His stuff is... I heard about him and Train doing these big pracks together. Right. And with a jar of honey. And he didn't, you know, right. slowly... You
4: also listened to birds to get... Uh, <laughs> the from and, uh,
0: he was... But, you can tell discipline on his thing, man. He right. wanted to get a sound. Right. He has great tone. I love Train's tone too, Mo- but bo- a little more wild. Dolphy's wild playing, but his execution is like,
4: man. Right. Yeah. I remember I went to, there was a, a Dolphy uh, memorial thing that happened when I was still in L.A., somewhere in the early 90s. And uh, I read some poem that I wrote about uh, Dolphy, and Vinnie Golia played. And there was this kid there who was, you know, maybe 20 years old, who somehow knew Dolphy's family, and he gave oh, wow. him do- a package of uh, clarinet reeds. Dolphy's, <laughs> Dolphy's, uh Dolphy's reeds. Wow! And he gave one to Vinnie, and he says, "Wow, man!" And the last time I saw Vinnie, I said, "Whatever happened to the uh, Dolphy reeds?" He says, "I lost it."
0: Oh, man. Well, they say about trains' Reads were really thick. Right. He cut them himself. And right. like most guys couldn't even get a note out sort of, of it. So
4: did Charlie Parker. Like, he'd have whatever the, whatever the toughest-to-play reed was, he'd cut it down and make it even tougher. <laughs> uh, but anyway, this, this you know, when I first, when my, uh, uh, my wife-to-be, Jessica, played this for me at her home, uh, we, I realized uh, we were very connected very quickly and and uh, one of the first things she talked about uh, was oh you, you know the original version of invasion of the body snatchers uh, Sam Peckinpah makes a you know a cameo appearance and uh, plays wow. a meter reader and it was like we had we were very a meter reader. very sympathetic oh yeah a, uh, sense of That's culture. Sam Peckinpah. yeah <coughs> Right. I anyway, was anyway, so I fell for this woman uh, after... Right, right. But anyway, she had anyway, such anyway knowledge. And for three years, and I didn't want to, like, uh, destroy things by uh, flirting too heavily. It took me three years to... Uh, three years. To, to get to... So slow growth. And then uh, and then we, uh, you know, it seemed like to, to, to realize that we were culturally... Uh, compatible, Sympathical. And then I realized we were very, uh, we were like, uh, perfectly matched uh, iconoclasts. Kind of yeah you know that we both had a kind of uh,
0: Well, the misbe meanest guy is Let, let's fight yeah, yeah. so let's here Thank you. It's uh, Bithica- uh
4: Bithica- Bithica- Bithica-
0: erectus. Charles, me—is this supposed to be some missing link?
4: It's supposed to be one of those like fossil remains of something like a human that stood erect.
0: Right. Okay. You know? But more important, yeah. it's what got uh, so played for you.
4: Right. My my, my woman, my my uh, my gal, my yeah. my wife, Jessica.
0: I see how humans interact through the arts and the fabric.
4: But that's a song that. Uh, you know my friend Greg Burke and I we had an argument that some somebody in writing claimed that it was, was about, his fan Dred Scott yeah. yeah right and he's a guy who he, he got uh, he was treated badly by the LA Weekly and <laughs> it's a writing and book. after that <laughs> treated badly by the LA Times now he's got, yeah, well, he's now right. he's got a website com, where all he writes about is metal and jazz <laughs> But
0: yeah. well, you guys got an argument over well, this too. Like
4: so like claiming somebody wrote about how that the song must be about murder, like prehistoric man that is most violent. Right. And Greg says, "No, I think it's about killing a mastodon. It's about a hunt.
0: <laughs> Fables by fathers." I All think right. he, his titles were important to me.
4: Oh yeah. All right.
0: Yeah, um. Mama don't like no chicken bread. I, I
4: was just reading about Orville Forbes. Uh, what a piece of work! That originally, that yeah, he was all, he was willing to integrate uh, Little Rock, and then uh, Eisenhower, or somebody you know, leaned on him to make sure that he was going to do it. And it's, no, he yeah. was like a liberal Democrat, but don't lean on me. Yeah, you're right. You know,
0: uh, my pop's grandpa was from Earl, Arkansas, and I finally got the nerve to go there. Yeah, I passed it on, it was beat down. Yeah. You could tell there was money there. It's like West Memphis, it was cotton, like Johnny Cash. Yeah, But this guy was not picking. He was a lawyer man and a, a clan guy. Huh. <laughs> Isn't that great? Sometimes roots <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> great thing to learn about. Yeah, but I went to the town finally. I mean, I, I think told me this it's a good. long time ago, so I'd always avoid on tour. Right off I forty, and uh, but this time last year, I stopped and I looked at the town.
4: Yeah, it was a trip. I never been. It's dog-
0: dry, dry county. Wow, could stop there, for, been driving all day and uh, go in the general store. But ethnic China, but it's all obvious, you know, and. Uh, We'll have to go down a row because it's dry.
4: Because my friend Nick Tosh is, uh, once did a piece. He wanted to write about uh, the Jack Daniels Distillery. for more is dry. He <laughs> goes down there, it's <laughs> dry. You know, it's in body
0: houses.
3: Yeah. Oh, they
0: show you this giant safe. This safe killed Mr. Jack Daniels. And you're thinking, uh, this thing well, he got a statue from Mitley, but he had to put giant feet on it because the thing wouldn't stand up for marble's a little guy. Well, he booted the safe and broke the toe Uh, first they cut off the toe then uh, the foot it ends up
3: killing
0: just forgetting
4: but see you know the whole proverbial falling safe you know yeah yeah don't get hit by falling safe after I had this heart condition a few years ago I thought well you know I really better look out for falling safe (laughs) I got this heart condition from going to the dentist That I got uh, you know some microbes uh, right when when they're cleaning my teeth Poking around, microbes got in my bloodstream, and they got yeah. to my brain, my brain, my, heart, my heart. Yeah, endocarditis. And so I thought, if I can get, that, if I get a heart condition at the dentist, I have to watch my <laughs> days. <laughs>
0: okay, you know, we were talking about you writing the books. Now you wrote some, like one mm-hmm. of your record things, A horror, like just Raz. Yeah. Uh, s- some books of poetry. Yeah.
4: Uh, I have this book called. Seventeen insects can in your heart. That's my poetry,
2: right? Yeah. What about
4: walking with the cane? Walking with the?
0: Uh, it's a collection. Maybe that's one of the poems in it. Is it in seventeen in with
4: insects?
0: Walking with Something with the cane.
4: Oh, cane down, cane down. That <laughs> was my autobiography. My okay. I had a dream. I had a dream uh, that. Uh, Prokel Harum, you know, the band Prokel Harum, yeah, sure. British Invasion. I had a dream that, that, that Prokel Harum went to like a... Lighter Pater's. May, maybe it was, a, it was a restaurant opening or a debut of some movie in London, that they all went there with canes and they beat everybody up with canes, <laughs> Prokel Harem. Robert so, Trower, that's it. Right. So I this. Is, so I wrote it when I got up in the morning. Wrote this down. Cane down. Cane down. And I thought I'll use this. I'll use this for a book a title. A book title, sometime. And, I, and it just happened. I was doing an autobiography. Somebody wanted me to do. And I let's call that Cane Down.
0: That's what it was.
4: Right.
0: My memory terrible. Oh, good enough. Autumn Leaves was the last Autumn, one. Autumn Rhythm. Autumn Rhythm. Autumn Which Leaves. is named for a job. Autumn Leaves is that song. Yeah. Do you know about the tripod, do you know about Tom Herman? Who's that? He played guitar for Perubu, and he made a band called Tripod Jimmy.
4: Yeah.
0: And he did a song called Autumn Leaves. Right. And the only time he refers to Autumn Leaves is, this is not Autumn Leaves.
4: Right. But he calls the song that. Right. Miles Davis Davis did a version
0: of Autumn Leaves. Well, like you said, many, many people have done Autumn Leaves. It's but, a jerker.
4: Right. But, but what I'm really which oh, I stole the title from the Jackson Pollock painting. It's oh. it's, at the, it's at the Metropolitan Museum of Art in, yeah. in New York. Yeah. And it's big. It's like a whole wall of... Uh, it was a painting that he... When uh, I think uh, the museum paid him $40,000 for this, which in the early 50s, mid-50s, and it was at the yeah. time the biggest sale monetarily for any living painted painted wow and he, he was already pretty far gone he was just so miserable and financial. Uh, you know, yeah and so even the 40,000 just enabled him to drink more
0: wow something yesterday I want to say to you too there's, we were talking Wintman yeah and there's a letter from Vincent Van Gogh to his brother about Starry, about, Starry Night right song of my, for myself of myself
4: what was this, you know, it's the only
0: time I was inspired by a poem.
4: Yeah, but what was the guy who did that song? Uh, yeah.
0: You know, <laughs> American Pie.
4: Something. You know the guy. What yeah. was that guy? McLean. Yeah, starry, yeah. starry Yeah, right. And right. this
0: ridiculous song. And
4: right.
0: Yeah, American Pie was the other one. Right. PBS. I
4: heard one. that what he used to do, like he was, he was making a lot of money from those two songs, <laughs> but he didn't write enough songs to have an album. You know, he, he had to have albums. He thought he must, so he would actually hire people to write him the filler <laughs> for the rest of the albums. The songs that people weren't going to listen to it anyway, in and, and his name. You know, so he he just gave him a flat. But three. you've been
0: writing. You've been working on writing six years now. This book.
4: I just finished. This was like uh, the thing I was saying before. Is I was very, in a way, very, very lucky to, to be to get my chops writing. Oh, you wrote a book on architecture in L.A. Yeah, Richard Melzer's Guide to the Ugliest Buildings in <laughs> Los Angeles. And uh, the capital of Kansas? L.A. is the capital. L.A. is the
2: capital.
4: my my great anti L.A. book. Co- yeah, the uh, cultural critique. But basically, I got this, You know, I, I had a uh, between 1972 when Gulcher came out, yeah. and then the poetry book was '83. I went 11 years without a book out. I right. wrote about six books the yeah, time, right. but nobody wanted them. And, so finally, I got on a streak and the LA book came out. And, and then I had this novel. Uh, my first novel was called The Night Alone. Yeah, yeah. And so this one I'm doing now, I did for about six years, is, is uh, called
0: The Night Alone. I actually have on my practice pad in a little uh, glass wooden yeah. frame thing I made. That's very nice. Very nice. Yes.
4: Thank you. Well, and so this new, one this, is, this new one is called A World That Don't Exist. And, and it's the first book that I've ever done where I've gone this long without any uh, publisher in mind you know right, right. I just figured I was old enough I, I I better do one of these completely to my own specification but you like it it's, it's, yeah. it's great but it's not going to be easy to sell it so. yeah. but you know that's life
0: yeah that's life six, seven years yeah was there a lot of drafts
4: well the way I did it it was like it's sort of like In two parts, but back and forth, back and forth. One part is sort of like these really low, low, low humor to kind of... You can't even laugh at because it's so low. (laughs) Cultural fictions, you know, making up, like, uh, cigarette fan clubs. You know, (laughs) hey, kids, you can join. And then, you know, they have, like, a a family video parade, uh, you know, some fine films for you to watch uh, with the kids. Movies that contain no fornication, uh, you know, and uh, stuff like that. And it's just stupid. And then the other world. And then the other world is like, uh, you know, boy-girl romance at its most, uh, just total folly. Love equals folly. So I go back back and forth from the the folly of love, which, you know, a fiction that doesn't exist either, to uh, these, you know, a lot of it is... uh, recycled when I was uh, the last actual gig I had was the San Diego Reader I used right. to do these reviews I did one on you yeah, yeah. blurbs for upcoming well, events let's come into town. so if I knew these people I could write about them but most of them were bands I never heard of so I said is it okay if I just make it up I said sure just be entertaining and I, finally, I did that for about five years before they had enough of it and they dumped me. But, but when I did that, I would I would never make fun of these bands at that stage of my life. I didn't make fun of bands that I had that never heard of. I would write raves about them. Oh, wow. And, uh, you know, a band, there was a band called High School Slit. They'd give me a list of bands coming to town, and I'd pick, every week pick one. And once it was a band called High School Slit, and, and I never. So any mention anywhere else. You know, I said the greatest man in the land. <laughs> <laughs> I school is you know. And so I have a bunch of those and and, uh, and it just goes back and forth and it's kind of like you get these, these Japanese movies where no matter what happens in terms of the action, the director always goes back to nature in <laughs> 15 minutes. So I always go back to these dumb, you know, bad jokes. And so I got this, you know, I... I I used to have, maybe I still have, a, an agent who, uh, he was the guy who was the agent for my other, my last two books, uh, Gorgeous Like the Rest and Autumn Rhythm, yeah. and he can't make head or tail of this one. And so, so it's kind of, you know, it's, it's going to be like, Palantino. is Portland in it? Yeah. I have, well, the Danny Warhols, who I did yeah, I never yeah. cared about them really. So I have a blurb for the Danny Warhols. Where uh, I give their, I have a fake address for them. Care of Marco's Pizza. That's across the street from uh, Rocco's Pizza. It's Across from, uh, it's near the Crystal Ballroom. Did you ever play there? Yeah,
0: a couple of times. Right. I heard so, Jimmy, Jimmy played there. Yeah. That's the rumor.
4: Uh.
0: And Jimmy once played there.
4: Well, I think uh, I think uh, Grateful Dead played there. Uh, they, wow. There was an acid test with Kikizi and uh, there. the Dead. Wow. There. The bus but, came. Yeah. And it was supposedly... Uh, did you ever see the bus? <laughs> no. Okay. But the dead, apparently, they claimed that that was the worst show they ever did with Kesey because they, they, he couldn't get him a place to stay, so they had to drive back to San Francisco from Portland Ooh, after the show.
0: That's a hell ride. Yeah. And that
4: bus? Right. <laughs> slow go. Right. Yeah, with Bill Cassidy. <laughs> but, but,
0: well, uh, he probably didn't stop. Right. But, you ever heard his spoken things? <laughs>
2: oh, oh yeah. Some of that,
4: <laughs> yeah. Some of that seems like he, Casey forced him to do it. it. It feels, it feels pressured. You know. There's a little bit of stress. But there's some stuff that I, that supposedly there are recordings of that I've seen a transcript of that he actually, he and his girlfriend, uh, whatever her name was at the time, uh, uh, I can't remember. My memory's going. But he and his girlfriend weren't getting along, and so they had, opening for the dead, two or three early shows when they did clubs, they'd have Cassie and his girlfriend, uh, like, arguing with each other on stage for 45 minutes. He's recordings and I, of that. And I, and I uh, supposedly... Wow. Opened, yeah. That would probably be good. Right. <laughs> right. Not so scripted. <laughs> right. But he's a guy, like, uh, Neil was a guy who, uh... uh he just you, you know he never ran out of steam until finally he did he was dead
0: yeah <laughs> he got nailed yeah uh, so you think if you weren't in Portland this book would be different you like this oh, town oh Portland
4: is a town like you, a, you like know this town, I was right? telling you when I lived in New York they, mm-hmm. they thought I was an anti intellectual. I moved to, to L.A. where I was branded as an intellectual, which was Man. even worse. <laughs> I'm like, oh, you read books? Oh, please. And so I moved to Portland, and here I feel like a citizen. Yeah, and that's, great. And that's nice, you know. Yeah. It just like...
0: Uh, so you think it grounds a book?
4: Well, it grounds. grounds your life. It, it gave me a little bit of the oxygen in my head. It, you know, felt like... I mean, I, I feel like... Uh, uh, the life that is lived here, it's its not quite as quirky and kooky as it was when I moved here 14 years ago, but yeah. it's still a place that uh, part of the appeal is that it's off the mainstream of, uh, you know, the main currents of American life. It's still I hear a different. lot of young people are coming here, though. Yeah. There's a funny kind of look here, you know, it's like, I don't know what the terminology is after yuppie, but whatever the next stage or that, there's a lot of that here. <laughs>
0: You know, I know, I was told a little weird history about Portland. It used to be the Shanghai capital. Oh, yes. They'd get people buzzed at the bar and you'd wake up on a boat.
4: Right. And I think they found, (laughs) I think recently, a few years ago, they found some some skeletons in the basement underneath. They were doing some construction. And apparently, like, 10 or 12 people were, like, uh, in one of these tunnels... And they found a vat of formaldehyde, they thought it was alcohol, and they drank it and died. <laughs> and their bodies were found right, a hundred right. years later. But
0: that was the thing, I'd bring them through these tunnels, get them on yeah. boats from the bars, and right. you'd wake up San and
4: Diego I'd... was like that too.
0: San Diego was like that too, huh? Yeah. Somebody was me Portland was the King Daddy, and uh, on a boat... I didn't end there, man, because you were lower than low right. as a Shanghai guy on the boat. And
4: right it's also a place like uh, I looked up once uh, all the mayors Portland's had like very few two term mayors they just had like you know one and another and another and another you know, they had few, no dynasties. they had a few women and uh, before other places did and, and uh, I think it was hit hard with that flu
0: after the first war right because the sailors brought it in right one uh, time uh, I was playing I don't know what, what is there a Dynamic between here and Eugene.
4: Well, yeah, I mean, they're close, but, but, was a college like, town. but it's more like the uh, Grateful Dead. Almost never after a while, they always played Eugene. They didn't play yeah. uh, Portland, and uh, it's a more—it's an anarchist town, Eugene. Yeah. 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 But it's also uh, it's college town. So. Yeah, college yeah. town.
0: One time I was in sp- Springfield. It's like at two towns. At yeah. The I went into the graveyard, and uh this woodman of the world.
4: Yeah, you got some of that in LA too.
0: There's and some of that there too, with yeah, the, there's with the one, log and there's, the dove and that. A, there's, a, there's
4: one in Santa Monica, cemetery in Santa Monica that has woodman of the world.
0: Right, and there's a lot of 1919,
4: 1918. Right, that's true.
0: A flu came and right. looked up.
4: But the thing about, there's a terrific cemetery uh, uh, about a block from uh, uh, my wife's place where uh, it's it, there's I think three or four cemeteries that are, are called Pioneer cemeteries. This is the Lone Fur Pioneer Cemetery. It has stuff back to the 1850s. And there's a whole section for the Chinamen, you know, who <laughs> learned to be buried in the rest. But it has... There's so much rain and and whatever the stone they use, yeah. a lot of these the names washed are washed yeah. out. And there's even one where a tree, you can see the stone inside the tree. The tree grew around the stone. <laughs> so your family, if the family's gone, there's yeah. nobody gives a damn about preserving the stuff. And, right. and
0: uh, what do you think about getting buried at sea like ashes? I think get, that's what I want to yeah, do.
4: Yeah,
0: yeah, off Pedro. Uh, like people would want to say bye to me, give them a boat ride.
4: Right, <laughs> right. As opposed yeah. to just throwing it up in the <laughs> And then, yeah, maybe I'll wash up right. on, on Pedro. But this, this cemetery there, it has, uh, from the 1870s, it has this husband and wife, uh, and it has like, a sculpture of these two stern-looking people. And, oh, wow. the, and the text on this, the stone is... We surrender our molecules to the universe like two atheists. That, you oh. know, just really wanted to make a statement. You know, we give our cells back to the universe to do what they want with <laughs> us. It's really impressive. You know, I,
0: I'll tell you about it. There's, there's a lot
4: of atheism in this town too. Yeah. That's one of the, okay. the, the uh, streaks. Wow. And and the song "Louis Louis" the the, the, right. the, the Kingsman version Kingsman. was recorded in a building. In Downtown Portland, that is now uh, office of the Atheist uh, Foundation of Portland. Wow. Same building.
0: Supposedly one of the fastest growing religious, quote, religions. Yeah. Like, yeah. But a two-for-grave on Long Island. Yeah. When I turned 40, yeah. I found out John Coltrane is in Pine Law. I took the train from under Madison Square, Penn Station. Right. There's a Long Island Railroad, and it stops at Pylon.
4: Right. And there
0: are the boneyards right there.
4: Well, there's, uh, I thought it was going to walk. When he died, he was living in, in Dix Hills, which is next to Huntington, okay. in Suffolk County, where Whitman lived for a while, too. And Blue Oyster Cult, when they were this soft white underbelly, for 10 minutes they lived in Dix Hills, probably wow. at the time when Coltrane was still alive.
0: Yeah, because he died at 67.
4: Yeah. So I go,
0: first time I couldn't, find. there's 10,000 graves I couldn't find. Right. So I go back another time I take the train about four days later. And I he's in the Garden of the Sanctuary. And it, it was a twofer. It's a John W. Co. train, and the other one was empty. I died at 40, so I was 40. and right. I laid there. I don't know if this is bad to do, but I laid right on top. yeah, Face up.
4: Don't start turn. for your
0: pillow. <laughs> you know about them and he's your rock pillows. Yeah. My friend, her son grandma used rock pillow. But anyway, I'm sitting over uh, John Coltrane and I'm thinking, John Coltrane, were you, when you made the album, were you thinking of the single? And you, and right. one, you think about it. So right. <laughs> but then he did those ballads things with Johnny Hartman and, yeah, I think that was. I think he might have Bob Fields' idea. To oh, really? Because there's also like an Ascension excerpt on a seven-inch.
4: Well, but the thing with uh, Bob Thiel, who uh, he was a producer at Impulse Records, he also produced uh, one of the Jack Kerouac uh, spoken word right. here, He's the only producer who every single album he ever produced he has his own picture on. It. You know, it was Bob Bob with John, and, and uh, so I think, that, I think that he talked after uh, Coltrane did those uh, Village Vanguard uh, LPs. You know, the, the, the session, the album Impressions, and also live, live at the what is it called, uh, John. Birdland? Live at the Village Vanguard I guess oh, Vanguard and later it came out it's like a 4 CD set all of it with Dolphy yeah and and that to me is this, his his high water mark in terms of being allowed to get away with what he wanted to do with the record company and after that Bob Thiel pulled in the reins oh. and that's how they got to the but after Justin
0: his yeah, crazy all, stuff comes out. <laughs> comes out.
4: but it was really like uh, I think that Bob Thiel got scared that's okay. far enough
0: yeah. yeah. Far enough.
4: Yeah. But that was... Did
0: really you ever get to go to the church of St. John Coltrane in San Francisco? No. At that Franzo, Archbishop Franzo. Huh. He's got a tenor Sunday, <laughs> trip the door a conch huh. shell, blows it, and, you know, lines a little bit for right. half an hour. I took my organ player, Pete Mazich, yeah. he comes up, you're going, he's in the frock, you know, all, right. we're going to work. And he's, they jam on Coltrane for three hours. Now they're in yeah. Hunter's Point. Yeah. They were like Renting out a, a Lutheran.
4: There used to be speech. a Church of Elvis here in Portland. There was this guy, who, a street guy called wow. himself Elvis for a while. Uh,
0: well, they had some icons and a picture of uh, John Coltrane's horn and the fire came out, but I don't think they are praying to him. He's more like some messenger. Right. And there wasn't much gospel. At the end, it was stuff, you know, get together a little bit, but mainly it was
4: like getting into his music. Right. But he was somebody who... Uh, like uh, you know, he, he after a certain point, he was he was constantly recording. I mean, uh, and, bef- and in his, his own name, but he did so much work like oh, Prestige yeah. Records. He was on so many sessions. Tuba players, bone yeah. players, yeah, yeah Ray even Ray some on some guitar, yeah. And and uh, you know,
0: uh, but those are bad years. Those are junkie years, I think, right. But towards the end he's recording like crazy too, where the song titles have numbers.
4: Right. But it was also, he basically, of all the really, really great jazz players, he was the latest boomer. The, of all the ones who finally showed what they had, he was in his thirties before, yeah, right. uh, you know. right. Ten years. Yeah. Last ten. Right. You know, like... Because
0: like, he kind of cuts his thing on R&B and stuff. Right. Like the clean head guy and...
4: Uh, clean head Vincent. Right. Yeah. And he's right. playing alto. Played Earl Bostic, who did... Earl Bostic. Uh, he did, what was it? Uh, Harlem Nocturne. Look at this. Walking the Bar. One of those books I have said, Coltrane, walk the fucking bar. Right. I
0: can't... Yeah. <laughs> okay. Work the room.
4: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. Right.
0: Mm. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. Well, thanks for... We're at right the time. The, I got to get right. up to the... I got the
4: next... Uh, Seattle. Crocodile. Oh, yeah. They call it Belltown. I did a reading there once, Crocodile. I opened for Cat Power. She used to live here. I saw
0: her. We played with her the day all the Stooges shit was
3: stolen.
0: The next night. Jim White was her drummer.
4: Yeah. She's become a strange, uh, you know... I think she's living in Cali. Oh. So... She, she sang great. She had the yeah. cat from
0: uh, John Spencer on guitar, Judah and Jim White on the drum. Yeah, not not shy. Right. A little more. Uh, yeah, no so. more,
4: yeah she, but she still, still got, with that voice. Still is that neurotic stage act where it's. Uh, oh, no. I don't know if I could play this song, but let's no, see. No, no, no. Yeah. She, she's. Yeah.
0: I mean, it ain't Madonna, but she's. Right. <laughs> yeah. But thanks for being on the show, man. It's a true honor for me. Oh, it's And good luck with the book, man. Back. I can't wait. Thank you. Yeah. You'll, you'll. And, oh, yeah. Spielgücher soon. Yeah. We're mixing it now. Great. This is 50, well, actually 63 altogether, but 50 where I actually... Uh, 50 years in, in the making. 10 of them we're going to be with the Bennett Man. right? Yes. Yeah, great. Yeah. I gave D-Boom the words on that last ride it took. I started this tour on that road. Mm. His pop showed me the pictures he wanted to give them to me. I didn't take them, but by looking at them, I know where it is, kind of, and I passed it. Uh. I didn't want to keep them. He gave me two of his guitars, though. So this whole third opera, I uh, wrote, I can't play guitar very well, but I thought I just want to yeah. write all the songs, no, not on bass. yeah. I write on one That's of his great. guitars. That's
4: terrific. Yeah, You're you're uh, you're one of the great sentimental slobs I that, that I know. That I mean, yeah, I'm one too. So
0: yeah, yeah, you can't let it go, but right. I push forward. Yeah. Yeah. on in some ways. You certainly do. Thank you, Richard.
3: Thank you. <laughs>